So the overall, my five star rating goes more towards five what rating? What's I'm a star? so sorry. Five. What is it? Lads. Lad five five lads. Lad I'm so yes, sorry. That's okay. That now I understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, because before start the recording. We can, we can, if, if Waterloo, if you're listening, we'd we, love to have we would love to have you as I, a sponsor here. You know what? Actually, I'll take that. I would like Liquid Death to sponsor us. Yes. Not uh, because I think it's phenomenal per se, well, but it's careful. really, really expensive. And I would love to be comped <laughs> free Liquid Death. Oh, right. In what, fact, about, what about LaCroix? That's, that used to so like here's my thing. theory. LaCroix is the gateway sparkling water. It was the sparkling water that I was brought up on. I agree. Um, shout out to Brandon. Got me into to drinking and it. And that's where the magic began. And it's, it's intro sparkling water. It's intro. Sure. It's great. I, I, I have no ill will against LaCroix. I still drink it regularly. But I feel like there's a moment where you graduate mm. and you start to branch out and you realize LaCroix is is just the beginning. And you go from LaCroix to Bubbly. Okay. Bubbly is a, a next step up. Bubbly is is the islands of, <laughs> of sparkling water. And from islands, you go to Cheesecake Factory, which is oh. Waterloo. Wow. I also where, feel- where you put Perrier. Perrier, are we talking glass bottle or We're can? talking glass bottle. Okay. Glass France. bottle. Fanciest. Okay, yes. right. Are we talking with a lemon wedge or just straight? We're, we're talking like they give you the bottle, they give you the glass. They're like, would you like ice with the glass? <sighs> that's See, that's a little too aristocratic for my taste. <laughs> that's class warfare. Yeah. Um, I think also there's something that should be addressed, which is that I feel like, and maybe this is just my tunnel vision, like I wasn't, you know, uh, I, I didn't see what the world had to offer, but I feel like there was a time where there weren't so many sparkling water brands. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like LaCroix was kind of like the main one. And Mm -hmm. so it was sort of like, yeah, I need sparkling water. And like, I'm not at a restaurant that just like has sparkling water on tap or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a soda stream. (laughs) So like, this is what I'm not, you know, because again, I'm not rich. (laughs) Like people who have soda streams. But like, you know, now it's like, there's so many more working man options out there, you know, like Waterloo. Absolutely. I feel, I, I feel like Waterloo is the is the pinnacle of it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't you know what? I've had Soda Stream. Not worth it. Not worth it. Nah. Well, I think I mean it's it's sometimes things that are expensive are worse. You know, yeah. like it is, it's totally, totally that vibe. Also, I will say, even though I love sparkling water, I do kind of just drink whatever's handed to me. So like mm-hmm. because I'm surrounded by so many sparkling water connoisseurs, as mm-hmm. it were, yeah. I just kind of like follow along with your taste buds. So mm-hmm. like I would agree with you on Waterloo, but at the same time, I think it's just because you've sort of like established the culture. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just sort of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, so also, we also have Spindrift as a whole I other category. Spindrift is it's it's a little sparkling different because it's got real juice in it. Yeah, And but, sometimes it's a, a bit much. I know that the, the whole joke is like, this is... What's the like this bar, this LaCroix was next to a banana for 30 seconds yes, or something? Yes, that, that is LaCroix. <laughs> that, that's the joke. Um, but I kind of like that it's a very light taste. Um, as opposed to Spindrift, which is intense. For sure. I was sort of raised on Spindrift by virtue of it's like kind of the go-to sparkling water beverage for like a lot of like production offices. Like we had it a lot at my first job at an agency. We had it a lot in my second job. Like as an intern, it was always in the fridge. So it's like, it's very, um, 
Basically, if you walk into any office in Los Angeles that is even vaguely attached to an entertainment project and they don't offer you a spin drift, run. Like they don't, they're not real. They're a scam. They're, they're going to lock you inside. You know, it's not a real no, but office. What if they hand you a different sparkling beverage? You still um, run? That or? would be, I would just say, read the contract carefully. <laughs> but, you know, but the, the spin drift really, it's like if you walk into an office and you're handed a spin drift, you're like, okay, it's like. I'm home. Fox, ABC, you know, yeah. like, and you know, whatever. It's like, these are like, what's it, the, what's it, the riser or what's the rider? What's, what's my rider? My rider. It's like oh. when, when like a, a talent goes into like a green room and they put on the rider, like what they're like food or right, beverage. They they need specific, like, yeah. yeah. You want, you want spin drift. I think that uh, another one. It's like, um, what's her face at the Oscars going up. Uh, what's her name? Oh God, I'm blanking. Uh, she, three billboards. Um, Francis oh. McDormand. Francis McDormand. Yeah. Went up and was like inclusion rider. And it's like, you go up and it's just like, Spindrift Rider. <laughs> I think that the, the Trader Joe's brand, um, like Spindrift Knockoff, is really good as well. They've got a lemon ginger one that's top tier. Trader Joe's brand stuff is always good. Always good. I think it got much better when they stopped doing the racist names for it, too. Oh, They've improved they the quality. They did. Trader, yeah. Trader Jose and like Trader, Trader Ming. Trader Ming. Yeah, Wait. Like, Ooh, when, they, when, they, when they had products that were like of a certain cuisine, they changed the Trader and then a name that was like mm. stereotypical. We're all, stereotypical. Of, yeah. we're all guilty of it, especially our, our DMs and GMs out there, but those names, that's fantasynamegenerator.com. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, they just went on the fantasy name generator.com picked an ethnicity press randomize and picked the first <laughs> right, one they, exactly. yeah, they, they consulted with J.K. Rowling on uh, <laughs> yeah. their, their trader names <laughs> I, okay so I have to talk about this snack at Trader Joe's I've recently um, come on to uh, that my students shared with me and they're essentially imagine if you could for a second close your eyes okay, okay. okay. No. Um, imagine for a second you're eating a, a puffed Cheeto all right, now get rid of all of the cheese. I don't like this story. <laughs> and add a jalapeno flavor. No. No, it's great. All, so no cheese, just, just jalapeno? jalapeno? It's yeah. like a jalapeno spice. It's like a popper? Uh, like a, what? Uh, jalapeno. The, the, it's a popper, yeah. yeah. It's okay, incredible. Jack, there's a world outside of your no, own. No, there's not. <laughs> I don't think that's true. It's, um, it's giving what? <laughs> it's, yeah. You're so giving. Huh? <laughs> oh, generous. Um, I really like it. It's great. Horrible. No, I, it's amazing. I really, that does sound good. I really I like they, they have a maple version of it too, which clearly Ooh. like Trader Joe's at Trader Joe's Incorporated, they have a bunch of these bland puffs sitting around. They just keep <laughs> yeah. like blasting them with <laughs> I just don't know if I fuck with only jalapeno. Yeah. Like, I think I would totally do it with, like, cheese or something else, you know, but it, just jalapeno? I imagine. It, it works. I, it, there might be some other things going on there. Okay. Maybe it a little lime. It kind of sounds like a taki almost. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, hold on. So they do oh, have... Open a can of worms here. They do have uh, Trader Joe's Takis. Um, they call them, I don't know, lime tortilla wraps or whatever, but they are incredible except you can only eat like five before the inside of your mouth starts to like mm. rip up yeah because it's so intense which Coward. probably isn't good but uh, rookie numbers <laughs> i also <laughs> but it's so good it's, 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 what I, I would think that the, my personally i think the trader joe's like talkies like quote unquote are better than the actual talkies i've never had a real talkie in my life the um trader joe's cheetos not the puff one the like crunchy ones they're like like low fat cheese sticks or what, like whatever their thing is, I think are way better than actual Cheetos because mm. the flavor is like more mild. It's not yeah. as like 
fake tasting. I'm going to sure. be very brave and say that I'm pretty averse to most Cheeto-type snacks because of the residue. Oh, yeah. Oh, I um, really, I've never, again, not that I need more reasons to love this man, but Oscar Isaac picking that. up the Cheetos <laughs> with the chopsticks, yeah. I'm just like... You get it. You like, do need yeah. that when you're gaming and stuff, because then your controller gets. I worse. just really yeah. find it such an unfortunate result. Like, um, <laughs> I love goldfish. Sorry, I just think that mm. I just love them. I hate the way that my mouth feels after I eat a bunch of goldfish. It's really? like, yeah, I mean, it really feels like you get like sort of like, especially because I have really bad gums in general. It's just like it really feels like super cocky all of a sudden. Mm. In my, my mom mouth. calls it um when you have. Teeth sweaters. Yeah, teeth it's, sweaters. it's like teeth sweaters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. So I, I don't, snacks like that in general can be tough for me. I don't well, eat um, either of those anymore, obviously. But I do remember when I did eat Cheetos and and dairy snacks, stuff like that. Um, the battle was always between Cheez-Its and Goldfish. And I was oh, a, f- yeah. a firm believer in Goldfish. Cheez-Its I like are, Cheez-Its too. You know, I, really Cheez-its love, are, I love Goldfish, but cheese, there's something about cheese that the salt, oh, I think, is really oh. what does it. I love the salt. The cheese, 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 bitter, I have almost. never liked Goldfish. Except for the oh, some the of the, flav- the flavored blasted Famous ones like. are good. Oh, flavored blasted so ones like, too much. What about the pretzel Goldfish? No, gross. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. I, I don't like pretzels. I mean, what? Soft pretzels? Yes, hard pretzels. Pretzels are not my go-to snack, for sure. Although I did love those ones that you... Uh, turned me on to the peanut butter one, yeah. which is well, crazy because I'm not a big peanut butter. You don't person. like peanut butter. Well, I, here's the thing about peanut butter. It's just not my go-to. If there's peanut butter involved, it's not like, oh, turn my nose up at it. Yeah. I just like, I'm not the type of person to eat peanut butter with a spoon, which I know is like a which favorite is, snack I mean, of fair. people, but it's just that. not so, for me. So, so you're talking about the peanut butter filled pretzels. Yes. Yeah, those were off that, of the goldfish at this point. You gotta keep up. Yeah. <laughs> Trader Joe's has um, an almond butter uh, filled pretzel. Ooh. Not very good. No, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't. That I don't fuck with good. almond butter. I don't like apple butter. That's the big one. I really apple. Like. That sounds I good. Love apple. Butter. I, don't I don't think I've ever had gosh. apple butter. No, it's, it's yeah. a very I had it one time and thing. I thought I would love it, and I put it on like some toast, and it was just this over. It didn't taste like apples. It tasted like this weird aftertaste of just like. It's it's like if you have like an off-brand peanut butter and it gets stuck to the roof of your mouth for like mm. hours. Mm. You it's know like what's that. so good is pumpkin butter. Have you? Have you I've, I've never had pumpkin butter. That sounds great. Oh, it's so good. That perfect, sounds that perfect. Oh, you know what? I think I have had it in like a um. There's a Italy in Century City has a like butternut squash ravioli that I Ooh. think has pumpkin butter on mm. it. Delicious. I love butternut so squash ravioli. that oh my god! I mean, we're going into summer, so it's like it's very far away. But like when fall hits and like. Every restaurant has like a butternut squash, squash that, yeah. butternut squash this, and it j- just a butternut squash on a plate. You know, I'm just like, great. Would you say that pumpkin butter is the cheesecake factory of of butters? God, I, you know, <laughs> okay. Okay, start the podcast. I know, I know what you're saying. I just feel like Cheesecake Factory, I don't like as much as all of you do. So using it as mm. the top tier never sits What well is your well, top Cheesecake tier. Factory isn't the top tier of anything. It's the top tier of a very specific of a, brand of a chain of restaurant. restaurant. Chain sit-down restaurants with like wait staff, right. you know, that is like semi-fancy. Wait, we're not comparing it to a Michelin star. I, comparing it to other chains. I still would rather have chilies than... Oh, what the <laughs> hell? No, no. Cut his mic. Cut it. Okay, um, this this reminds me... Um, what does it we, remind We have a really divisive opinion about foods. You know we what do. else is divisive in the gaming industry uh, writ large? What, Robert? Uh, the certain game that we're here today to talk about. Welcome <laughs> to the Lads Again podcast. I'm Lad Robert. 
I'm Lad Jack. I'm Lad Jimmy. And, and we are joined. Who are you? Yeah, there's if for for keen <laughs> observers, you may have heard a unfamiliar voice on the podcast. Mind introducing yourself, mysterious voice? My name is Abby, and I am Lad Jack's sister. Wow. Woohoo. <laughs> recent, recent PlayStation acquirer. Yes, he was very proud. Recently come into the fold of the gaming universe, specifically for this franchise. Crazy, I know. Wow. Like uh, that was the onus, right? Of it, like getting a PlayStation. Was that like, was to the play only the last reason I bought it? Well, okay, whoa. Wow. <laughs> whoa. So is it just a doorstop now? No, no, no. I'm I'm playing other games. Oh, I see you playing it was um, the sole reason originally. Uh, you're playing uh, Hogwarts Lost Legacy, Legacy, right? Lost Legacy, right? Lost Legacy, yes, yes. correct. <laughs> Not Hogwarts Lost Legacy. Legacy. Sorry. <laughs> um so so uh, Are you Lost Legacy? I love it. I figured. It's, it's the best movie I've ever seen. Oh, wait. Ooh, we'll save it. Class, <laughs> classic. Here we go. Classic Naughty Dog. Dog. Um, so we're here today to talk uh, about a, uh, a very divisive game, not only among present company, but for the larger community. I think it struck yeah. a chord and nerve. We should, we should be clear, though, that we're going to have a lot of fights today uh, between the three of us versus Jack. Mm-hmm. But I want to make it clear that Jack's opinions are valid unlike most of the opinions out there about this game and the yeah. most the majority reason why it's divisive in the gaming community well i i definitely i want to talk about this too when we get into it but i did a lot of supplementary reading of very positive reviews to very negative reviews like everything from like this game is flawless to this game is bad because it's um, anti-Palestinian propaganda. Right. <laughs> and you know, and wow, the girls man. are too muscly. And the girls right. are too muscly. So there's like, a, and you know, there's a, I don't want to get into all that, you know, but it's, it is, I think it's fair what you're saying that it is super divisive in that there's a lot of range of opinion on this game. Whereas I feel like the first one definitely has a little more of a generally universal acclaim yes. yeah. on the first one. And the second one was like met with such, I, I think what it is, is like the second one was met with such vitriol from fans of the first one. Yeah. And like that's sure. that, I mean, you know, people are always going to be more cr- critical of a sequel, but like, I feel like uniquely there was not a lot of people who disliked The Last of Us Part 1, at least vocal. Um, but Last of Us 2, I feel like it had a lot yeah. of issues. See, that, that to me is, I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought The Last of Us 2 was actually more popular because of how much more detail they went into with the characters and how much more you know, world building they did. And the first one I really enjoyed, but I thought the second one was really, there was so much to go into and there were so many more characters to play with and so many more, like literally and figuratively, Mm -hmm. there were so many more stories to develop than in the first one, you're really mostly just with Joel and Ellie, which is great. But the second one, you have so many different storylines to follow. But I think that's the problem is that it did reach for something a lot broader in scope. And I think the broader and broader you get, the more... We've talked about this a lot, actually. Like, the bigger the canvas, the more there is to critique. And, like, the more, you know, something... We've talked about this a lot with a lot of the games that I really love are, like, super small because it's just, like... The el- they developed a couple of elements really, really well, mm. and the bigger games get the more. It's like, the, well, that one was more of a soft that didn't quite the, work for me, you know, and it brings the level down occasionally. I, I think that, that we're like dancing around the point that I brought up there, which is like most of the criticism you see about this game isn't what you're outlining, Jack, yes. which is a very interesting and thought-provoking criticism. Most of the criticism Well, you haven't heard is, what I had to say. <laughs> well, most, I'm, sorry, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm but just but kidding. most of the criticism is 
is stupid. It's, it's fans, all like fans who like have no vision yeah. Yeah. and sexist and like it's like that. right homophobic. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's like you know to what you were saying, Abby. Like there's no objectively this game is much bigger than the first one and expands mm-hmm. upon a lot of things and is like a sort of I don't want to say improvement, but it's sort of like an objective next step that builds it's on an sort of like an evolution. It's a next generation. And so like whether that worked for you is fine, but a lot of the criticism of this game I feel like has has sort of been like, no, the characters are like are there's like less um sort of the characters are less fleshed out or it's like it doesn't make any sense. There's like so many like logical like sort of like fallacies in it or like there's not as much going on you know and i think that whether it works for you i don't i don't think you can objectively say that this game has like less to say right you know and i feel like that was what a lot of the criticism of the first one was or i'm sorry the second one was that like the first one was this like grand tale of blah 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 and the second one just like was like had one singular message and i don't i don't think that that's true did did I forget? Did we say the game? Shut the fuck up! I'm really sorry. <laughs> so okay, so we we so should talk about it. We're we playing we're playing The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, if that's not clear, and we're this is actually a very special episode. Very I would special. Say. This one I will agree with you on because we have our second guest ever. It's a second guest ever. I think this might be very divisive uh, uh, as um as a lads game podcast goes. But I'm I'm comfortable and looking forward to it because I know I'm in the majority. I appreciate all the qualifying (laughs) of like, so everyone's mad (laughs) going into it, but you know, not like in a punching way. Like I'm just gonna, you know, give it, give it time, kill you, but you know, (laughs) welcome to the execution of Jack. (laughs) Yeah. The live, live execution. We We talked about this already, but I am like as, as, I'm going to try to say this as like unegotistically as possible. Like I am excited to like genuinely try to share my perspective on it just to like offer a contrast in this episode. Like not in a way to be like, I am shitting on your guys's opinion just to be like, I'm excited that it'll give the episode like a, Hey, here's two, because this game is so divisive. Like you were saying, it's like, we're offering exactly that reality in this little microcosm where it's like, here are people who liked it and here are someone who didn't, you know. So. And I'm excited excited to shut all of that down. Yes. <laughs> let's get into down. it, shall we? <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about a little bit more. Um, yeah, if we haven't already said, we're talking about Last of Us Part 2. Full spoilers. Full spoilers. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, and I believe before we get into our ratings here, uh, Jack, I believe you have something prepared. I surely do. So if you are not familiar with this franchise or with this game, The Last of Us Part 2 is a 2020 action-adventure game developed by Naughty Dog and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment for the PlayStation 4. Five years after their dangerous journey across the post-pandemic United States, Ellie and Joel have settled down in Jackson, Wyoming. Living amongst a thriving community of survivors has allowed them peace and stability, despite the constant threat of the infected and other more desperate survivors. When a violent event disrupts that peace, Ellie embarks on a relentless journey to carry out justice and find closure. As she hunts those responsible one by one, she's confronted with the devastating physical and emotional repercussions of her actions. That is such a spoiler. 
That's the that's the official description <laughs> they you went said with. Spoilers. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no, but I think it's just like, that they put that out and they put like, that out in 2020 before the game came well, out. I don't know. No, okay, so for the, record, for the record, that description was brought to you by a hybrid of Wikipedia versus the PlayStation Sony website. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's that is although insane. although the the plot for this game leaked ahead of the game's oh, uh, yeah, right. wow. which is another big thing of the review bombing that went down is that they people found out that it was like and a lot of the reviews to mention that it's like you're playing as Ellie even if the spoiler of what happens to Joel it hasn't reached your ears it's like all the gameplay footage is you playing as Ellie so people right. were pissed just by the shift in protagonist I, I guess but at least it doesn't exactly tell you what happened to Joel it's just like oh they're just trying something new with playing yeah, as Ellie because you play an Ellie in the first one too right. yeah I actually yeah but that comes so late yeah um, I actually, when I played the first one, I was surprised that Joel didn't die at the end. I thought he would really? die at the end of the first one. I so okay, well, we should get into it. We should, yeah, let's, sorry, so sorry. let's before we before Keep we talk a little that. bit about it, let's let's go through our ratings. Um, I will go first. Yeah, put me in the middle, please. <laughs> what? Should we take a break first? Do you want to take a break? Yeah, I feel like we do our ratings. We usually go into the ratings. Yeah, first. we usually do the, ratings, the ratings and first. then do a break. We oh. usually go chit chat to ratings and then take a break. Yeah. Okay. Because then, because then it's awkward. Because if we take a break now, then we'll do the ratings, and then we have to take another break before we talk about the gotcha. next thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Jimmy, don't ruin the pacing. Sorry, I, I just didn't want our I didn't want our fans if they had to use the potty to to miss. Well, you use a pause. Yeah, they have the they have the ability to pause. We're broadcast live right now. So yeah, so let's let's give a ratings. Oh yeah, let's go. That's that right? good. Yeah, I'll go yeah, first. Right. Um, so um, I uh, have was I think the only one that had played this game before, um, puts me in sort of a unique position. So I had played The Last of Us two around the time that it came out, or like shortly thereafter, and I also played like Last of Us Part One, the remastered, not the remake, uh, <laughs> around the same time. So I played them both pretty much back to back. I didn't have that like seven year-ish gap or whatever that mm -hmm. some people did play in the first game. Um, I um, We've talked about the first game on podcasts. We have some reviews. Take a look at that on our um, our Instagram if you want to take a look at that. Uh, I gave Last of Us Part 1, I think, a 4.5. And upon reflection, I just sort of want to mention, I think that was a little high. I feel like you I would- You gave it a 4.5? I did, I believe, yeah. I thought you gave it a- I don't know. I Sorry, go ahead. Anyways, um, I uh, so I, I think really highly of the first game, and I think they the remake has been great as well. But the um, the second one improves upon so many different things. You and gave I, it a three point five. I give it a three point five. Yeah, that's what the Instagram says. Wow. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's good. Sorry. Continue. No, no, no. It's Consistent. great. That's 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 great. Um, I've seen. I was. Right I was the like first that sounded really high to me. But anyway. Um, yeah, so I think that the second game improves on a lot. Um, it, it it suffers from a lot of the classic Naughty Dog gameplay faults. I think it definitely improved upon the gameplay from the first one to me in terms of like, there's a little more options with the combat. It doesn't feel like the, it doesn't feel like you have to use the same technique necessarily every time. Like you can sort of mix that up. But I think I find the gameplay sort of repetitive. I find the puzzles very boring for the most part. I feel like it relies really heavily on the environment in such a like kind of grounded way that makes it feel a little unfun for me. So I have a ton of issues with the gameplay, generally speaking. However, I think the story of this game is near perfect. And I realize I'm approaching this fairly subjectively because the sort of 
harrowing, punching you at every moment when you're lowest, sort of like the graphic nature of it, the very sad reality of it really just worked for me. And I found it to be something where I was feeling so much as I was playing this. And both times that I've beat this game, it was at two in the morning and I'm like (laughs) sitting on my couch crying at the end of the game. And I find that so rewarding to me. Um, So for all of that, and I'll expand on a little more, I think I'm going to land on a 4.5 lads for this game. Um, it's a it's a low 4.5, I think. <laughs> no qualify. If we have to qualify that, <laughs> I cannot go full five simply because the gameplay is like so bad. But the story, the graphics, the voice acting, all of that really are like top of the game for me. Beautiful. Um okay. Um for me. My my takeaway with this game is be careful what you wish for. Um, if you remember at the end of uh, our last podcast, oh, no, excuse me, our, our podcast about The Last of Us Part One, um, my biggest issue with that game, story-wise especially, was that I felt like it was so predictable. Um, there was no surprises at all in that game. I knew where it was going the entire time. Um, and, I, and that bothered me. I thought that they, I, I actually pretty firmly disagree with like the universal claim that about that game being like revolutionary. I thought it was a very standard apocalyptic tale. Well told, but standard. And boy, did they listen to me on going and doing some <laughs> unique things with this one. Um, and it is, uh, it was dark and gritty and violent and so incredibly sad um, top to bottom. I mean, this game has a awful ending in in a good way for me but like story wise like it is not a happy ending at all um our hero fails miserably in her goals and is left as a shell with no real indication that there's going to be any light at the end of the tunnel for her. um and and it's horrific that you are forced to play that out you you have to watch Ellie just make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. Um, but with all that said, again, for me, I view that all as a positive thing. Like the emotions I felt playing this game are unique. I don't know if any other game will ever have the balls to do something like this and have a game be so dark and, and harrowing. Um, the, the the thing that is interesting, I've really been thinking about this a lot for like, because it's been like a month, I think now, since I finished this game. Um, I, I don't know if this story was intended for me as a person, because this story really much, really felt like it was a, a very clear critique of using violence as the answer to everything. Um, and I just, for me, like, that's not my personal you know, motto anyway. That's not my lifestyle. I don't, I already don't believe in violence for most things. And so it was a very like heavily driven home point that I already from the beginning agreed with. So it was just hard to watch. I didn't learn anything. It was just like, oh no, I know, don't do this. This is going to be bad. It's going to lead to bad things. So, so I think for someone, this game could have been really enlightening. For me, that message didn't resonate because I feel like I already knew that message 
still really well told here. Um, very quickly, I actually am pretty high on the gameplay in this one. Um, Puzzle-wise, it's not good. Like, I wouldn't call this a puzzle game at all. Um, they're mostly just going through the motions on any puzzle mechanics that they have. However, the combat, I thought, was really, really well improved. Um, and they did small things. They just added a couple of options at your disposal. A silencer, having access to a knife that doesn't break for most of the game. Um, more weapons, and it made it more enemy types as well. The dogs that could sniff you out. Um, the fact that you can crouch and go prone and, and all that stuff. Um, I, I thought it gave me enough options that the the combat was always fun to get into. And I think I'm a little higher than you are, Robert, on that overall. Um, for me, I'm going to land on a 4.5 with this one. Um, the only negatives, again, not coming from combat. I think that the story at times was not um, paced well. Um, and I don't mean that in the switching of perspectives. I actually really like the switching of perspectives in this. Um, and I felt like there was just certain um, characters that... There's there's a lot going on here and some things they didn't really have room for. I'm thinking mainly like Isaac's storyline felt extremely rushed, um, which is a problem. But um, but the good outweigh the bad. This game is amazing. I don't think I'll ever play it again. I don't even know if I'm going to watch season two of the show because this is that's how horrific this game was. <laughs> um, but my God, did it make me feel something. And I also finished at 2.30 in the morning as well. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it was amazing. I'll never play it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, oh and now let's move to Abby. Yeah, so <laughs> real quick, let me just, <laughs> just if I could just squeeze in there. So, okay, it's like no secret. You know, we've been talking about it forever. You know, I hated playing this game. Like, I, I'm really sorry. I, yeah, everyone, for the, for the audience at home, everyone is pointing finger guns at me. I really... Felt on. I, I think to your point, Jimmy, this was their intention, but I, I felt very uncomfortable playing this game. Like, I honestly think that I could argue that I think that this game should not have been made by virtue of its gratuitousness. I just really think the violence is is way beyond the pale to drive home a point that violence is bad with this level of gratuitousness over and over and over again it is it's just beyond my personal comprehension in terms of storytelling. I just think it is very belabored and drives that point home. So that I just want to preface it with that more objectively and more reasonably. I feel like, again, just comes on what you're saying, Robert, I think the gameplay is terrible. Like I it's so repetitive they definitely made technical improvements on the first game, but in terms of like the actual design of like breaking out of this, just going into every scenario with like, yep, there's like, you can try to stealth your way through or you can go in guns a blazing and there's clickers that you can take out from behind. And like basically the only really fundamental change they made was the dog sniffing thing. Like you said, like that was like brand new and like definitely changed the way you approach stealth encounters, but like a very topographical change you know ultimately um so i definitely didn't enjoy playing it so even if i enjoyed this didn't enjoy the story there also wasn't anything fun about playing this game to me i just found it very tedious um especially because it's way longer than the first one too so like that really made and the first one i was already feeling like the gameplay was repetitive by the end so i struggled with that for sure and then we'll get into it in obviously way more detail but narrative 
I from moment to moment in this game, I just was baffled and perplexed by almost every decision that they made um, from the opening when Joel, it just the fact that it to me, it opens on Joel revealing the secret to Tommy, who really doesn't have much opinion on like what happened, you know, and kind of just shrugs it off and it never comes up for him again. I was just like, oh, no, I'm I have a bad feeling about my uh, my the way that this they're approaching this story from the get go. And it kind of continued from that trend for me. And I will talk definitely more about where I think the order of operations of the way things play out don't quite make sense to me and why they made certain decisions and how I can't really see why they made certain decisions, you know, like I'm really like, again, really baffled. So looking at the language, unfortunately I have to give it a two out of five. I was, I did not enjoy playing it. I don't really see what they were going for. I think it was like way too labored and gratuitous and I will never play it again. And I almost stopped multiple times. I just was like the ending on the beach. I, uh, I died during that fight and I almost didn't pick it up. I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is so, I don't know. It just, it really was very distressing. I found it to be very uh, uh, uncomfortable in a way that not to me that didn't feel like impactful, but just felt like I, I felt very uh, just just disgusted like a little bit. So we'll talk about it more. But yeah, I am very sorry. <laughs> Two out of five. Wow. Jack hates women. <laughs> No, I I'm think right crazy. <laughs> I think that I have a I I I don't want to I I won't talk too much about it, but I think that there's an argument to be made that the storytelling is very clearly like driven by a lot of masculine storytelling tropes for being a story about women and a queer woman in particular. But we can talk about that more. Anyway, great, Abby, <laughs> what's up? Well, with that in mind. <laughs> I like like they said I bought the, I bought the system to play this game because I actually started off I had seen it on TikTok and I was like oh my god there's a video game about a queer woman and I just I watched little bits and pieces of the storyline and I had to just I realized like I have to play this game. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to do it but I'm going to play it. So when I I kind of I start off with already having that opinion so it's kind of hard for me not to go in already loving it. Jack's making a face at me. No, no, um, no, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm really not. I'm I'm not trying to be like eye rolling off camera or anything. No, no, no. Like, but just I had I have been bugging him about this game for for months, so it would it would mm-hmm. make sense. But I really I thought that the whole full disclosure, I am not a good gamer. I'm really not. I was fully into this game for the storyline. Like I am still having trouble with playing Breath of the Wild on Switch. So I have really no opinions on the gameplay because I don't have a lot of reference for that. I, for me, it was a good jumping off point because I mean, I played it on like super easy mode, but I like that they kind of guided you through it because I think otherwise I would have been very frustrated. That's the only thing I will say about the gameplay is that I think if you put it on normal mode, if you are not somebody who has played dozens of video games or even, even like a couple, you're going to be kind of stuck. But with, with without the gameplay, moving that aside, the storyline I thought was it was so different from everything else I've seen come out through PlayStation, through whether it be commercials or through word of mouth. It just 
it was like Jimmy said, it was very gritty and hard to watch, but it, it was beautiful the way they did it. And I thought that it was very, very bold to do what they did because like, like Jackie mentioned, it is, it is so incredibly violent and bloody and horrible. I, I mean, most of it is very upsetting and there's not a lot of levity except for between Dina and Ellie, which of course I love particularly, but when you get to Abby's storyline, it's almost immediately is, is horrible. You see a little bit of her backstory, but you, you see these two perspectives on these two women and you automatically, you think you're going to be on Ellie's side. And I kind of like that they turn you on your head, like, wait a minute, watch this first. And I didn't know that that was something that a video game could accomplish. Cause the video games that I've played my whole life are, you know, things like Mario and, you know, things that don't have a clear storyline. So I'm again, not familiar with these kinds of very story driven games, but being introduced to this kind of gameplay was really almost jarring. But again, it was, I really loved playing it no matter how, upset I got and again I finished it at like midnight and I texted Robert immediately <laughs> and said I'm crying yeah, y'all gotta go to bed you, gotta, like, no, you have to finish no. this game at midnight or later that's probably why you didn't like it I much. finished it at 9 30 and played Overwatch to clear my fucking head like, <laughs> see but the problem was I was I was at the point where I didn't know how close I was to the finish but I'm like so, shit just got even more real than before I need I need to see what's going on so you just get to the point of no return you know you that, can't go to bed yeah I feel oh, when no, did, I, did you did you play through like sorry no, we'll talk we'll talk about you it. No, finish, finish finish no 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 um I mean really you guys have pretty much said most of my feelings like Jimmy about how the story was so different and how you know the gameplay's not perfect but for me it, it was good so it's hard for me to be objective so I'm going to give it a five, which I think everybody knew I was going to do that. Yes, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you. Coming in and dropping a five and leaving. Yeah. That's cool as hell. Mic drop. These are expensive mics. You get one lad rating as a guest in this life and you chose a five. (laughs) (laughs) That's sick as hell. Yeah. Cool. I think I chose correctly. (laughs) Great. Uh, Well, a, a very, a lot of varying opinions, even among the people who feel positively about this game. I so. really thought I was walking into three fives in mine and a two. I really thought, so I'm relieved that there will be some critique. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We, we got a lot to talk about, so let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll quickly talk about gameplay. I think it'll be a much mm-hmm. simpler conversation yeah. and then we will um, spend four hours <laughs> fighting the about the, Jack the narrative. We'll evidently probably be killed. Yes. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about that gameplay, shall we? I I kind of loved it, guys. I'm not gonna lie. I, I think liked you guys it. are. I, I think mean, you guys. Well, maybe me and Abby are on the same side. Yeah. I think. I think that the criticism about particularly Last of Us Part 2's gameplay is a little overblown. Um, now, yes, it is a narrative game first. It's a, thema- a thematic, theatric. I guess would be the word. Game first. Um, but I do think that they added just enough to make this gameplay pretty rewarding. Um, I, I think that there, as, as I've mentioned in the past, there's already some variation in the weapon types that you get from crossbow, crossbows to bows to rifles, shotguns, um, pistols. 
Um, you have the silencer now, which Silencers. I think is a big gameplay changer. Again, the fact that you can crouch in grass and hide really aids with uh, your uh, your stealth mechanics. I think that the there are a variety of enemy types that are just enough to, to make it rewarding. I think... Um, it's no longer, unlike the first Last of Us, it wasn't just go to one small area, kill 12 people, go to the next small area, kill 12 people, whatever. Um, you had the open world part of Seattle part one. Um, you had some moments where you were driving a boat around and having to navigate obstacles with that. Um, you had that sequence below the hospital that played out like a horror video game, which I loved and oh, thought was God. great. <laughs> it was so good. Um, I just, I'm not, oh, and again, and this is something I'm curious to hear from you, Jack, because I, I think you had mentioned with part one, you didn't do this much at all, but the weapon customization um, oh, yeah. is really good. And I, even in part one, I gave props to this in part one too, but in part uh, part two, I genuinely was was looking forward to scavenging materials and thinking about like, dang, like I'm getting overwhelmed a lot. I need to uh, make it so I can fire my guns faster because there's just too many people and I need to have the, that quick fire ability. It really, it was varied enough to where I will not say that the gameplay was a detriment to this game, whereas I think it was in the first. And again, for critique saying that the, the puzzles weren't good, I'll grant you that. But I also don't think that the puzzles were the main part of the game. I think it was an add-on. It was nice. You know, again, play the Jedi series or Zelda series or whatever. Um, to get your puzzling in. Anyway, there's my piece. I, I think it's I think it's good to offer. Like, so first of all, I did do more with the weapon crafting, and I I thought it was better. I also did really enjoy the little aesthetic touch of you seeing them do it yes. like with the that, hands. I, that is like That's such so a good. great, a great, love, great. Yeah. great like the unzipping of the backpack too. Like, yeah, I love yeah. that yeah. kind of great stuff. little yeah. detail for sure. Um, I to on the positive side, I did think that the navigation was a lot better in this game. I felt like the level design was a lot more polished, and it felt a lot more clear where I was supposed to the direction I was heading in. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the first game, I I think I talked about this. There was a lot of times where I walked into a room and I was like. I don't know where I'm supposed to, I mean, I'll just walk around the whole room and, oh, here's a door, you know, mm -hmm. but like, that's not real. You know, if you want to think of the gameplay element of like navigation is like a gameplay element, like that's not really navigation. And this time it was because there were so many, like you're heading for the aquarium and you can see it way in the distance. Like, okay, I have a direction. They have very I smart to, level design. Yeah, it was way. much more polished. So definitely like that. I will disagree. I, I think that it was still primarily walk into this space with 10 to 15 people and find a way to kill them. The set pieces varied it enough, like the haunted hospital with the big- The high rise. The, the high rise? Oh, the, the high rise is where you're climbing over the, the high rise. Oh, that was well, that's not, well, that that wasn't left, com that's not combat though. Like, but it's gameplay, I think. Yeah, gameplay. Well, what I'm saying is that I think all the level, like the that stuff was fine. What I'm saying was repetitive is the combat, like gameplay where it's like you are going into this room and it's like 10 to 15 people. Okay, next one, 10 to 15 people. I, I guess I'm confused. Maybe you can offer uh, some examples because I, I feel like sometimes when we say like, oh, it's just go here, kill these people, go here, kill these people. I almost feel like this is a, that's an uncharitable read and that any game could be reduced to its most foundational things and made to sound kind of uh, simple. And I feel like it's a little reductive to put it that way. Well, well I think I mean, it's you know, okay. if you think of Ghost of Tsushima, right? Yeah. Same thing, right? Go to village, town, whatever, kill Mongols or stealth Mongols, you know? So here's the thing is that with Ghost, it is 
builds on itself and escalates where they start throwing in the Mongol captains and it's like, you have to kill this guy. At the end, there's like these little mini boss battles. Mm -hmm. You're getting more stances. The combat is getting more complex. The combat doesn't get really more complex as you play this game. They just kind of like put you in different scenarios where it's like you're still just trying to kill these people in some combination. Some of the enemies get tougher, but the core principle of what you're doing isn't getting more complex. They try to do it with the set pieces, like the sniper who's firing at you on the bridge and the monster in the basement of the hospital. My problem with both of those is the sniper is not technically a one-hit kill, but I got really frustrated by the fact that that battle in the basement is basically a one-hit kill. Like, if it gets you, you die. It really was like, well, this isn't really a boss battle. This is just like, don't get touched, you know, like, which is like, that's not really complicated. You're not really varying the gameplay. You're just sort of putting me in this like linear gauntlet where it's like, I have to just get enough shots off this guy before it touches me. So that's more what I mean when I say it's repetitive is that it's not escalating and complicating. It's just variations thereupon kill the bad guy. However, I will say the difference is that like you had this in the first game too, where you had the bloaters where you had to learn quickly that you couldn't just shoot them. You had to, you had to throw a pipe bomb at them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the second game you think you're like, Oh, I got this. I know what this thing's going to be. I just got to just keep chucking fire at it or whatever. And when you get, cause you, you meet different kinds of bloaters. And when you get to, I don't know what that thing is called. That three headed monstrosity. The rat, the king. rat king. Oh, right. Horrible. Um, when you get to the, <laughs> when you get to the rat king, first of all, you know, you, he follows you and you don't, you don't, even though he's huge, you don't know where he's going to be. So it's still technically a stealth kind of issue. Mm-hmm. But then you, you start being like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw a bomb in it. Didn't even phase it. Okay. Now I'm going to just use my entire lighter fluid on the um, flamethrower to kill it. Nothing. And you have to kind of keep pivoting and parrying and trying to get away from it. So you can hit it from a different angle and you don't have to do that as much with the bloaters. The bloaters is like throw two bombs at it. It's done. But with the rat King and some of the other, variants it's a lot more like you just have think to ultimately hit it. like in games like this it does suffer unfortunately from the fact that it's so grounded so it just feels like various guns grenades bombs <laughs> and like you're just sort of doing that in various combinations and it's very heavy so it doesn't feel very fun to play so i'm definitely but. lean more towards jack's like opinion of this because and i'll offer sort of like a to what you were saying because yes you can kind of reduce most video games because i think most most games have some sort of gun mechanic totally, right I like, know what you mean, so so yeah. you can definitely yeah. reduce a lot of games down to that i think the the problem that last of us runs into and i don't really know if there's a solution or a world where this the gameplay of this is more exciting because of how grounded it mm-hmm. is right and so if you had the the narrative and sort of like world and movement of this game which is very realistic uh, or as close to that as possible mm-hmm. and then you introduce some like arcadey kind of like combat that was maybe more fun to play that would totally not work Completely. like it would feel weird and so there's sort of like a ceiling to i think where this game's combat can go and so i think it does the best it can at sort of improving and i'll totally agree with you jimmy that the like sort of resource management and adding the the silencer was super fun but at the end of it because it is very just like shoot the zombies in a room there's not too much you can do beyond that um so it makes it feel a little stagnant to me um and there is definitely some subjective element of that Mm -hmm. that i find like maybe it's just doesn't work for me this like kind of gameplay but i will say that like 
outside of like the combat specifically, there's just not much in terms of gameplay. And so I think that's where I find myself feeling a little like it's a little lackluster because really the only time you're playing the game is when you're doing combat. Mm -hmm. Like everything else is just sort of you're walking around. But I think that that was complicated. I I do think that this is um, a criticism of a goal that they did not set out to accomplish. Yeah. Like, you know, and I know you're not saying this, of course, but like, you know, the, there wasn't a a hub camp where you could play cards. You know what I mean? Like, but that wasn't ever their intention. Their totally. intention was always to be a resource management shooter. Um, and yeah, I guess it just comes down to like the framing of it and whether it it works for you on a personal level. I really enjoyed like seeing um, you know a group and the difference being with the first one that every time I came into that room or that area with a group of people and the goal was eliminate or sneak past. Um, I thought that the the um, the stealth and my gun options weren't good enough to ever really give me a choice. It was like I kind of have to just blow my way through this because stealth is is not well tweaked or whatever. Whereas in this game, I thought they finally fulfilled that promise of you do have options in terms of how you want to handle this. And my, mine personally, just to tell you how I played it, is most of the time I really made a point to try and whittle down each of the figures, you know, and I, I would sit there like for 30 minutes on one encounter as I was just watching the patterns and trying to mm-hmm. figure out, all right, they go there, they go there, they go there. I have to kill this guy because he he circles back around. And if I kill this guy first, this guy will find him or whatever. Um, and I always loved when I got to that point where I'm like, okay, cool. I've killed enough of them. Now I've got two left. I'm just going to go guns blazing on these last two. <laughs> yeah. And that little puzzle that it's almost like a sandbox to me. It's like, here's your little scenario, figure out how you want to approach it. That was always really engaging to me. And I just felt like they gave you the options to actually make that a varied experience, unlike the first one. I agree with you, but I would just say you're just doing that a bunch of times. But yeah, but I'm trying and, and to it's, think. And it's, and it's fine. I'm, I'm, I guess I'll concede hmm. that I think that the combat for being very grounded did maybe the best that it could in that scenario. I just wish that outside of the combat, because there's a lot of times where you're like walking around, there could be opportunity for better puzzles. There could be something where it's like, I love that high rise where you're walking mm-hmm. over um, the, the buildings yeah. is so cool. It is like such an amazing set piece. And I found myself like, feeling the emotion of that but yep. I, I i wish there was they i feel like there was an opportunity to add gameplay within mm-hmm. that you know could what you i mean elaborate? could you explain like i don't know if you thought this hard about it um but like what what would those tweaks look like <laughs> that doesn't fundamentally make this a different game um i would have appreciated maybe some some contemplation about how you approach the next area. And I think then you might get into a zone where like to, to Jack's complaint where you maybe not know what to go where, or where to go. Sorry, but I would have appreciated some like, okay, we're in a space. How do I get there? I never really had an issue like of how am I going to get to that location? You know? Um, and yeah, I would the game have, leads you where you need the to game go. Le- like, I mean, it's really like you're it's almost a, like a walking simula- simulator between <laughs> yeah. points of of combat. And I would have appreciated something or even more like I really liked going around on the boat, too. I thought that mm. was fun. I thought it was nice to vary that. I would have liked something more like that. I mean, like, I don't know, because like like a dr- like driving, you have a truck and you have to like race through something or like kind of what we were talking about in the original game. And I, did, uh, Abby, did you play Left Behind? 
Oh, of, of course I did. Okay, yeah. so so I we I think Jack and I both talked about really yeah. liking Left Behind's gameplay because there was a lot more of those like even if it's not like challenging or fun, there's just sort of variation in the gameplay. I would have appreciated more of that, and I think they definitely improved upon that from the first to the second one. But at the end of the day, it's just really the main gameplay of this is those combat encounters. Yeah. While elevated, I just find sort of repetitive. Personally, I just think that mm. there's not really an excuse for this game to not have more complicated puzzles. Well, where um, do you, I'm sorry, I just have, to, oh, yeah. just have to jump in real quick. Yeah. Where do you guys land on the whole generator thing where you have to take the cord from the generator? <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, Boring. but I, I kind of appreciated it though because it added an extra, Little, just a little tiny little challenge. I liked like, when you had to throw it over like the fence. That's what I'm saying. Stuff, yeah. it's like, not just out. finding the generator, but it's like, okay, I see the generator. But it's like, it long enough. I, I, I there, like, there, were, there were moments too in that first, the very, uh, to my knowledge, the very first generator that you, uh, thing that you have to do when you are right outside the open world uh, Seattle area. Um, you can take that rope and like throw it over the building next to you and get up top and get some extra stuff there. So yeah, like there were, and that's actually something I saw in uh, a video I was watching. I didn't do it. I didn't think to do it myself. So yeah, I, again, I, I don't think it's the most brilliant puzzle ever, but I just no, no, feel no, like they didn't, it different. wasn't a puzzle game. It had right. puzzle I, elements. I don't think yeah. there's any, because I, I just don't think there's any excuse for a game like this to only have one basic gameplay element which is combat like this is an expensive long game that is trying to justify like 20 plus hours of combat that doesn't escalate and it's like there's no excuse for it to not have Story, some kind though. of huh <laughs> well so, so, I, I would feel what? like they put their stock into a, a, a stealth shooter resource thing is one and rather than having Part B be puzzling. Part B, or even probably part A, was story. And that's well, but and that's many where our, games have story and puzzles and combat. But not. But I would say not as intricate as this. And Certainly I know you not. disagree. Well, on yeah, the, it doesn't have puzzles. But I mean, there, to me, there's just no. I don't understand why they were like we're just not doing. Well, I think sense. having sorry, and I know I keep cutting you off, Robert. I think that having just played replayed Fallen Order, um, one thing I was cognizant of is that story is much less. I, I'm going to say this lightly. I don't mean it as bad as it's going to sound. It's much less like engaging because it's not as thematic as Last of Us, but they clearly spent a lot more time doing the, um, you know, having their puzzles be a core part of it. Like, for example, you walk up and the cutscenes are just not as crisp or they're not as well thought out or whatever. And so, I don't know. I just feel like they put their energy into two things. I guess I'm really cognizant of, is it unfair to critique a game on a goal that I don't believe they tried to accomplish. I, I don't know if that's a fair I know what you, critique. I know what you mean. That being said, I'm a big So, okay, as an example, I talk a lot about, um, so I, you know, I do like screenplay notes for work and stuff. It's like, I am a big believer in like following like screenplay structure. Mm -hmm. However, I've read scripts that don't have it and it works. And I'm like, that's amazing. Wow, good for you. Mm -hmm. If a movie doesn't have three-act structure and it doesn't work, the first thing I'm going to point to is three-act structure. Is That's why it doesn't work. So while you can veer off of that and say, I'm not going to do story, I'm not going to do puzzle design, this isn't what I want for this game, God, Godspeed, power to you. If, it, if, you're, if my critique of the gameplay is that it feels too repetitive, I feel that it gives me the leeway to say, well, you know what I think would have varied it more is if you had worked on this. I know what you mean by like they made a choice and I'm not critiquing the choice. 
I'm saying all I can say is that the result didn't work for me. And so now it's open to my critique to say, well, you know what I would have as a player loved is a little more puzzle design. Yeah, so I mean, I think we're definitely moving into a lot of subjectivity in terms of personal taste for like a gameplay perspective. But I, I, I agree with both you, Jack and Jimmy, that I feel like um, it, it is repetitive and sort of its approach to gameplay being very simplistic means that it has sort of a low ceiling. Um, but I would never want them to add more of that variation because you, the assumption is you would sacrifice some of the story elements that I feel like make this game what it is. I just think I just think it's kind of a boring game to play. And, and, and I and I think I'm fine with that concession because of how how good I think the story is. But I can't like I, I, I can't ignore that fact. It's sort of like the disco of it all to the yeah. disco Elysium where like. Man, that I mean, that feel very similar about these two games. Actually, we're just like the, the 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 story is like remarkable, but the gameplay it's like, and we're playing a game. I guess I know? bump against the idea that like it's a constant give and take, where it's like if you lean into the gameplay, you're sacrificing story, and if you lean into the story, you're sacrificing gameplay. It's like yes, we're human beings developing a game, and there's like limited time. And I know there was like a and reading a lot about this game, there was like a huge controversy about crunch time and Naughty Dog for this game. So. I definitely feel that playing this game. I'm like, oh boy, they were they were strapped, you know? And so I understand having to make the sacrifices here and there. And like as a producer on a game, like I'm sure you have little gems of ideas that you want to put in and you just have to let it go because you don't have time or whatever. Just on a pure artistic level, like blue sky, whatever, I really bump against the idea that you have to slide the meter one way or another because I feel like I've played plenty of games that pull off the hat trick, you know, and it doesn't feel like they're sacrificing one or the other for, you know, it feels like it's all interwoven and it's mm. all part of the design from the beginning. Whereas I actually agree with you that I do feel like they felt like they were, had to pull back on that to focus on the story, but I feel like that's so unambitious. Now I have to follow up here with a question for you all about the genre of the game kind of contributing to the gameplay. Since it's a little bit of a horror game, did that add any more, not necessarily fun, but more challenge to it because you were almost a little bit like, oh, I got to go into this area that I don't want to go into. I got to stealth around so these things don't find me. Because again, I'm not the perfect person to ask because I don't know a lot about gaming. But for me, when I was trying, when I went into like the basement, I didn't want to go in there, but you you have to to, to advance mm -hmm. the game. And you almost don't even want to do combat with those because then things start popping out and things, you know. <laughs> so does that add any more to your gameplay experience um i yeah yes and no i mean i feel like there are horror elements of this game i feel like i I'm not, i don't want to speak for a moment i feel like if they went more with that horror stuff it, i would it would have been too much like mm -hmm. i don't need that necessarily I, I loved that hospital basement scene but to your point, Robert, if the whole game was like that, I'm a little scared. I, yeah, less, less of just less of like, here, well, here's this is a great point. Less of, oh, I would be too scared. And I, I guess that changes the genre. But like, whatever, that's a different conversation. I just feel like I liked those horror elements because they were like, oh, here's a new thing. And so I wouldn't want more of the horror. I would want a different something else. You no, know I, mean, what I, mean? I don't mean changing it, like adding more horror. I'm saying like. I know you guys didn't particularly like the gameplay, but like, for instance, one area that I had a really hard time with because it it scared me shitless was when you're in Seattle. I think you're I can't remember if you're playing as Abby or Ellie at this point. 
where you're in the like this office building or something and you start to see that there are stalkers there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like that, the stalkers. I hate those things. I love I love <laughs> the stalkers because of how fucking terrible. I mean, I went on a big thing with the part one yes. of how yes. amazing the stalkers were. And when we texted about it a little bit too. Yeah. That office just... building sequence that you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I might've been at the end of my play session one night. So I was tired and the, the, you did the most beautiful stalker thing ever where you go into a room and then you turn around and you see it and it dips around a corner. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I remember thinking like, I don't, I don't have the capacity <laughs> to do this right now. And I fucking sprinted and just was running and gunning. I'm like, I literally ran up to the stalkers because I'm like, I'm not going to give you an opportunity to hide and jump out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool. I, 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 like I appreciate the idea of implementing horror aesthetics. Um, I love Resident Evil Biohazard. Um, <sighs> and that's definitely a game that I would point to that does that really successfully, where it really feels like it's interwoven with the gameplay but i think that's because it's first person mm-hmm. so for me it didn't like really change my opinion of the gameplay i, I could have used more of it i really? really liked the basement because i th- I was like "Ooh, this is genuinely scary you yeah. know in a cool way uh, honestly it's kind of it's funny to me how many humans you kill in this game versus zombies yeah but the, that's the, the infected feel rare and a it's little more very, rare in this game it's which really is interesting. odd to me but it's, yeah it's kind of like when you watch a horror movie and you're like oh it's daytime i'm good like yeah it's like when you're walking around outside you're like oh nothing's gonna pop out of me and mm-hmm. you see a person you're like oh thank god just a person i have to kill yeah like i, I that's such a weird that's because, I know. boy put a I pin know, in that because we gotta talk about this in terms <laughs> yeah. of gratuitous violence that's what that's i'm saying thing, though that's, is that's the thing that the game does that I don't exactly love because you're it makes your brain think in a different way like oh thank god it's not it's a it's a live person that I have to murder well, I think that's oh, the cla- that's the classic thing with um zombie apocalypse is it's always you know, you think that the zombies are the main threat, but it's the humans that are most evil or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. to be fair, for the most part, they're trying to kill you. You know, it's it's so it's, 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 a, it's a world people, of yeah. it's a world of violence, which we'll we'll talk about in a bit. Um, I um, I, yeah, I just it just. It feels, it just feels kind of repetitive and boring, but like to the point like that we're, we're making, I, I wouldn't, I understand that changing that fundamentally, I think would change the tone of the game for me. And I, like, I would rather spend more time sitting with the sort of themes and narrative than I would sort of like figuring out a puzzle. Like that would obviously be more interesting to me, but I'm fine with the fact that it was what it what it was what it was but i can't like say that it's good you know like i feel it fit the theme but it just it felt like lacking for me but i'm interested because because abby um having not played a ton of video games we talked a little bit this uh, about this off mic but i actually think that that makes this game sort of accessible for people who have not played a lot of video games by nature of it being pretty simple would you like agree with that I think having now tried to play a, a game that wasn't a Naughty Dog game, like I started playing Red Dead Redemption and I had a really, I've been having a really hard time with it. And then, so I went back to play something that was Naughty Dog, which was the, you know, Lost Legacy. Uncharted, yeah. Uncharted. And I had a lot more fun with that because the controls were much more accessible. It kind of explained everything you needed to know. And I think that The Last of Us did a good job with that because again, even if the gameplay is boring for people like you guys who are really good at gaming, that's that would be a plus for anybody else who's coming in fresh just wanting to see the story it's still fun for me because it's still challenging because i don't know what i'm doing yeah but it's not to me it doesn't feel lazy because i'm still trying to figure out how to work around everything it's interesting because i feel like rockstar has a sort of similar gameplay approach in a lot of ways who published red dead so it's weird that that doesn't connect with you but 
I don't know what it's what what it is about that particular game, but I found it a little bit more not as intuitive. I had to it, every single time I accidentally, you know, pull my gun out instead of, you know, doing something else, like trying to talk to somebody. I'm like, oh, I just shot that person. Oh, and that like everyone starts like, screaming. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's funny. Like, that's yeah, not that what I want to do. Yeah. And The Last of Us doesn't really, you, there's not a lot of user error that you can do in that game. It's like pretty much from the get go. They're like, you know, use, oh, use the square, use the, like, they kind of program it into you. And Some, I don't think Red Dead does that as well. That's interesting. And I feel like sometimes, and maybe we can move on from gameplay after mm-hmm. this. I feel like something we haven't talked about at all, which I find very frustrating about this game, is the difficulty scale is insane. I find this game unplayable beyond like normal. Like, and even that is a challenge at time. Like, because I, I, not as much anymore. I think I'm a little more lean into myself. I usually go baseline normal. But a long time ago, I would always go on the hardest difficulty possible and like approach things that way. I, I can't with this game. It's, it is literally unplayable for me. And I think there's something, and I like that they added this sort of accessibility sliders in terms of like, oh, you can change like the stealth to be easier, but make like the resource management harder or whatever. I think that's a great approach to it. But I feel like the balance of this game is so hard. I would have almost just rather them done one difficulty level or like I, we've yeah. talked about this a lot. There should be normal and story mode. Or whatever, I, like you want to call again it. over the past couple months, and I would point anyone again. I know I've talked about this video before, but um, and this channel, but Game Maker's Toolkit on YouTube, they have an amazing video about accessibility and difficulty in games. Please check it out; it's so good. But personally, while I'm all for accessibility controls and like sliders and do whatever you need, um, I really feel like difficulty <clears throat> levels in games are just like becoming this thing where it's like there's something wrong in your design. Like if you're having to be like, well, this doesn't really work if it's too light. Like we talked about this with um, Kana Bridge of Spirits where it's like I turned it down to story mode and I was like, this is insulting. This is crazy. Like this is just <laughs> not even a game anymore. I'm just it's a walking simulator to your point, you know. So I feel like I've definitely come to a place where I'm like. No difficulty levels. Like, don't give me story mode. Don't give me normal mode. Don't give me hard mode. Give me accessibility sliders that I can tweak ever so slightly if I absolutely need to. And part of the uh, ultimate uh, thing that this that YouTube video ends on is that when you go into the sliders, there should be like a statement of intent by the game makers to say, hey, like we put these here especially for people who really need accessibility controls, like people with dis- disabilities and stuff like that. But we put this here, but it's not our intention that you fiddle with this for the purposes of Celeste difficulty. does that, right? Celeste, I that's really what the, appreciate that's what the that. video the that video uses Celeste as a case study because I think those accessibility controls are amazing and so smart. And they have a statement in the front that says if you open them, it's like we don't intend for you to open this. We we talked about this a little bit with Fallen Order or Survivor, where like there's a lot of combat, like minigame type stuff that feels so incredibly broken in terms of combat, but like that's the point because it's like supposed to be fun little like side thing. I feel like to your point, you should always design a game to fit within the very specific criteria of enemy difficulty, all this, whatever. And then the sort of approach should be like, this is how you should play this game. If you want to sort of break the mechanic of it and have it be really hard, or like you don't want to have to worry about that and have super easy, go for it. But this is how you should play the game. Exactly. And I feel like even with last of us at the normal level, I find it to be like, 
weirdly challenging in some ways and weirdly easy in some ways like you know like the stealth mechanic and i know you kind of have to concede this in a video mm-hmm. game but like you know i they fully look at me and then i like duck into a bush and like <laughs> well well they're they're gone they're just, there's no, no I, there. I, mean, I think to your point they they didn't really the, the reason i bump against all this specificity of difficulty scaling is because i think it prevents game designers from designing a game with intent of yep. how hard something should be they just put all the elements in and then just create scales for health, whatever. And so it's like, great, we don't have to think about how we're actually designing this because it'll be okay for anybody who wants to play it, which I'm all for making games accessible, but not at the cost of like intent on the game maker's point, if that makes sense. Totally. Cool. Well, uh, let's take uh, another quick break and we will come back and talk about narrative. This episode of the Lads Who Game podcast is sponsored by Deep, Deep Sorrow. And after you've finished your introspection, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow the lads on Instagram, Twitch, TikTok, and Twitter at Lads Who Game. Now back to the show. Um, welcome back. Hi. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to talk first, yeah. Jack. <laughs> I'm happy to talk Put first. yourself out there, Because I, I feel like uh, I, I, I want to talk about Jimmy your point about that the game wasn't meant for you mm-hmm. because I think I we've talked about this a little bit I think I disagree with you, you do, which is interesting. on that and I'll yeah. talk about that more but I'm more interested in where Jack you feel the narrative beats don't hit yes so I have two major tenets for why I think that this story doesn't work for me number one I think that the theme of the story is is too tedious and too repetitive and kind of to your point, Jimmy, I don't really need like 20 plus hours of shooting people to know that violence and revenge are bad. Mm -hmm. And sure, maybe there's someone who needs that message out there, but I just don't think that's enough of an excuse to make that message not feel so just like beaten into my skull. A lot of the way that the theming works in this game for me is that it feels very like that Eric Andre meme of like, naughty dog shooting a million people and then being like why would you do that and it's like you made me like i'm play- i have to play this game like i have to kill things to progress the game but the game feels so like almost like judgmental of me and i'm just kind of like ooh, like no i i'm on your side i think what ellie's doing is bad but it's like so i just feel like that messaging is really like heavy-handed you know mm. and because of the length of the game it just feels like it doesn't work for me like that and then my, I, oh yeah can we can i speak to that first because sure. i feel mm-hmm. like we'll we'll like we can get on a million tangents and that also it. by the way just contributes to my feeling of like the violence in this game is beyond gratuitous and so, in terms of the repetitiveness of it but so yes. so okay so i because you sort of share a similar opinion then to jimmy in that sense and then like i don't need that message sort of like handed to me over so i would i would say two things to that one i would say um personally and that i didn't i actually didn't think about this but i never 
put myself in the protagonist's shoes. I didn't either, and I don't think you're intended. And it's so, not a, so, so your RPG. So your point of the sort of like the game critiquing your um, like being judgmental of you. I don't actually think I ever felt that. I felt like we. It's the game and you both looking at this thing that's happening, being like damn like that's crazy and wrong and like it's almost that like you know it's a horror movie where they the the character walks into a scary basement and you're like no don't do it you know what i mean like that's and and that's to it feeling cinematic right and that's feeling more like borrowing from movies and things like that sounds like that doesn't work for you i think it worked for me and so i i don't mm-hmm. really know if i have anything to say other than i just like it, well I then disagree. just to offer like a counterpoint removing myself from being if i want to read it as an objective story i just still think that it's overly simplistic of a message then like to watch her kill all these people for 20 hours plus for her to learn that violence and revenge are bad is just yeah i get it like even if i'm not attaching myself to the judgment of that like let's just say i'll take myself i'll take that critique off the table it just is so repetitive and honestly to me it's convoluted by virtue of abby's story because they never test whether or not abby feels bad about killing joel which is the same message that revenge is bad and she kills Joel, moves on, and goes away to live her life with Lev and the Fireflies. And she never has a modicum of introspection as to whether or not she regrets her well, revenge. Well, she quest. has that moment where she's going to kill Abby, and then Lev interjects. And Dina, you mean? Abby, yes. Abby's going to kill yeah. Dina. Abby's going to kill Dina. Right. She stops committing more revenge, but she doesn't ever reflect on whether or not her revenge quest, which was successful. Is was wrong, and I I will also add that I feel like Abby's pursuit of Joel as you play through the early parts of it shows that she was butting heads against people around her just in pursuit of the killing of Joel. Similar to, I mean, that's intentional. The parallel yeah. to um, Ellie searching out for Abby or whatever. So I feel like it, it's it's these two characters that are are lost, right, and spiraling down, and so. While I agree that like the um, message is sort of consistent throughout, I feel like it snowballs to a point where each at each point where they do something terrible or something terrible happens to them and they keep going, like says a lot. And I feel like that like is really impactful for me where I'm like. It's just like, oh, my God, you can't keep doing this, you know, yeah. and that sort of it's like it's like watching like a uh, like a fire or, or like a, a forest burn or whatever, like mm-hmm. where you see it happening and each stage, like, you know, what's going to happen, but it gets more intense throughout the whole thing. Um, and I feel like to Jimmy's point and maybe yours, Jack, as well. The like, it's not made for me or I don't need this message or it's impactful. I do not think they made this game for violent people to learn a message about (laughs) how violence is bad. I think like the audience that 
maybe would in theory agree with her reasoning is not the person that's picking up a video game controller and playing a game. You know what I mean? For the most part, that feels that feels in that in almost the same realm of argument as like violent video games makes people violent. You know what I mean? I wouldn't say that like the opposite happens. And what I told you, Jimmy, and I'll say again on the podcast is that like if if the if violence happening feels like, oh, that's not I don't need that message. Would you feel the same way about something that's positive, like feeling like, oh, I don't need to know to be a nice person to see something nice play out. It's more just like I'm seeing this story about someone who is terrible and sort of appreciating it for what it is without feeling like I need to necessarily gain some sort of insight about my life. Yes, but... (laughs) What, what's the point of that? Just like, to see a, a, a story play out, like to see, like I mean, I don't, I don't find yeah, enjoy I mean, a narrative of of somebody else's life playing out. I think is inherently interesting. Well, I think that again, my point is more to that. I just don't think it's re- very elegant storytelling in terms of like it's just. Even if I want to make the argument, even if I accept the idea of like, sure, I could just read this as a story about this person who makes bad decision after bad decision and ends very tragically and she never learns and she doesn't change. Like, even if I could get behind that, it's like, yeah, sure, I can just watch something that feels very linear in that way in terms of storytelling. I just think the methodology in which they went about it by virtue of the gratuitousness and by virtue of the heavy handedness of it is rather inelegant to me. And so I feel I, like it's just the combination of those two things that makes the story not work for me. I, I want to just um, also like qualify my feelings on this too. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it is was wrong to make a game with this message. Um, and just because I didn't, I was uncomfortable, but it's so weird. I'm like walking this fine line almost between you. Cause like, I agree with your original statement that it was really uncomfortable, but I, I liked that. I thought that mm-hmm. was a good, and a, the fact that it made me feel that I think it, it was more effective at making me feel uncomfortable than some other simpler games are making me feel good and happy or whatever. Um, and so I, I like that, but subjectively, I don't know if I really want to engage with that again, but I don't think it was yeah. bad or wrong that they did it that way. I think that I'm, personally just kind of good i don't think that's a comment on the entire thing being misguided i suppose i think i think we can disagree or have a conversation about the sort of um effectiveness of this like approach to it but i don't think i I, i'm acknowledging the full subjectivity of just being like i really like that feeling of Mm -hmm. kind of being uncomfortable and that gratuitous violence i can totally see that you make you making that point for sure it just like it worked for me you know And 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 it had that thing where i i think the things i love most when i'm engaging with like any sort of media is if i have a visceral reaction to something and there's so many points in this maybe too much but like it just worked for me like a really i mean we're we're you know like mother is the movie is like such uh, yeah. a good example of like that is not a good like it's not a nice feeling but it's it's I, it's that thing where i'm like i'm in it and i'm at the end it's 3 a.m i'm crying i'm watching you know you know at, um ellie not be able to play the guitar because yeah. of the fingers that you like, and i'm like 
I'm like feeling something. And like, even though it's like sad, I'm like, wow. Like I cannot believe that you made me I, feel that. I like, want to let I'll Abby. I want to feel that again. I want to let you get in Abby too, but I just want to qualify one thing here. I really, and as not to sound like a pearl clutcher, I really, it's not because I felt sad by the story or because I felt, oh my God, I this is so viscerally impactful. It's because it pushed beyond the point of visceralness to desensitizing because I was just like, this is so, which I think is what happens with gratuitousness in these types of things is that you just, it just feels like I'm shut down because I'm just like, this is so beyond the pale of anything I need to see to understand the messaging that they're driving home. Desensitized? Yeah, because I think it's like, well, it's like this thing that we talk about a lot in the United States, in particular with gun violence and mass shootings, where it's like, we become desensitized to it because it's every week, every day. And I don't know if I felt Maybe I'm not understanding how you're using it, but like I never felt desensitized. Uh, I felt like I had to shut myself down because I was too. It was the. I'll just use a very specific example. Sure. Yeah. The beach scene at the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm. I really. I'm sorry. I really don't mean to sound like so pearl clutching and like like I'm a mother. Like I can't let my kid. But I was (laughs) just like pressing those buttons to punch Abby in the face. And yeah. I'm just like, this is, I'm, I feel like sick. Like this is so horrifying to watch these characters just like animals tossle in the mud Isn't- to punch each other to death. When I already know what you're trying to convey, you, which is that this game, violence and revenge are bad. But like, don't you that not an example of desensitization if you felt that way? Like I, I maybe I'm misunderstanding. Well, how that's you what mean I mean it, is that at like, that point, Again, like I told you, it was like I died and I had to or you would be desensitized. You had to shut yourself down or you would like become. Right. Like I had. That's what I mean is like I had to shut down. What I mean by desensitizing is that it's not that I was playing this game and not affected by it. I mean that I was so affected by it that I had to. I have to. I got to take a break. I got to walk away. I almost quit because I'm just like, this is so much for me right now that I'm. I'm feeling myself cross over into like this weird territory where I'm just like not, I don't know. It just, I just really felt like that scene. I was like, this is unbelievable to think about these people in this, in Naughty Dog animating this and just being like, this is fine. I I feel like Robert, like the fact I, I, I agree that like it was gross and uncomfortable and I like, it was so crazy to play it, but I agree with you, Robert, that like the fact that a video game made me feel that, was insane. Like they, it, they were able to make me feel so emotionally spent by the end of this. And I would also say that the fact that you felt that we way. We really got to get Abby in on this. No, 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 I, no I, I want to, I want I want I have a very specific question. I'm just going to sit here and watch the three of you just go at I, it. It's like, I'm constantly feeling like I know Abby's going to talk, but I got to say this thing. Well, no, so I'll say, I'll say, I know what you're feeling and I was likely feeling the same thing, but I would say as sort of like an objective positive to that, the fact that we were, I'm assuming all feeling that at the end of this game really shows how well they built up these characters to the point where these pixels animated on a screen, I'm feeling like, oh my God, these people that I've like grown to love over the course of this thing are doing something. But so (laughs) do you think that those characters realistically would do that? You know, I, yes. I, I think, yes, I, I told you, Jack, I remember that one of the things about this game was that it was um, uncompromisingly human. 
And I feel like, the, yeah. and, and even That's if I didn't want. That's such a beautiful way to put that, Jimmy. That I, is. Thank you. I, uh, let's, all, let's, let's, let's all answer that question. Cause I think that is really the, the point of the game yeah. is to get I to that point. I like, didn't want her to do it, but Abby, Abby, uh, Ellie, Ellie would have done that. And also we can talk about it if we want the little flashbacks to get at the end, explain why she felt compelled. Okay. So pin in that, because that yeah. is my second point about why I think the story doesn't work, mm. which is that I, I think realistically, Sure, I could see this in this dog-eat-dog world where these women have been tempered by violence that they would feel compelled to go that far. I think in terms of, I really bump against using that type of rationale in analyzing storytelling because I don't think that that is the purpose of storytelling. The purpose of storytelling is to like bring order or disorder into story, into the way we perceive the world, not to just be like, well, yeah, they would probably beat the living shit out of each other on this beach after beating 400 people before that. It's just like, this is not storytelling. This is just, I found it to be. No, I don't. But real, reality is not storytelling. I don't I don't mm. think that they beat the shit out of each other because they had already be- beaten 400 people to death or whatever. I feel like there's a different reason for that. That I want to talk about. Well, we'll talk about. But I want to. But I want to. Abby, because yeah. like I, you know, it's really funny. And Jack, Jack has mentioned this week. I think of you, Abby, as maybe one of the nicest people That's in the what's world. So, shocking about so this like movie. kind <laughs> and like bubbly and like friendly. And so if I, if you were to like say, what game would you want Abby to play? I would say Gatekeeper. So fucking far away from this game. So, I'm shocked. So what is your what is your you, what are your but... thoughts like on all this like the violence and like this kind of stuff here? Here's the thing. <laughs> It is shocking to myself as well that I like this game. Yeah. My my thing was when we were all still liking Game of Thrones for that <laughs> split second, people said the same thing to me. And I said, something has to have such a compelling story for me to get past the violence or the sexualization or whatever. And this game, I think I actually needed this game to kind of get over myself in a way of like, there there's horrible shit in the world. You can't get past it. And I'm always a person like, I don't want to watch something that's like so incredibly horrible that I won't be able to, you know, not stop thinking about it. I played this game and it just like opened me up to this whole like, oh, my God, I need to watch more stuff like this. I need to I need to read more stuff like this. I need to get myself to realize that, yes, there are this is horrible and it's so hard to play in some spots but it's what the world is, unfortunately. And like like what Jimmy said, it's so horribly human that we are able to look at these characters and be like, yeah, people do this. This is not so far out of the realm of possibility. I, I would, you know, I would, would, Jack, you said um, that the, like, reality is not yeah. storytelling. And I think, I think in general, I agree with you. And like, I feel like a lot of, whether it be books or movies or games or whatever, go way too far to the reality or like a critique. Oh, I would, I don't believe that. Like, you know, it's a, it's a story. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like That's you, you want to like elevate or like de-elevate, whatever. Uh, de-escalate. De-escalate or what? Like you want to make those sort of like extremes for the purposes of the storytelling. But where I feel like this game is unique in, and really this story is unique in a lot of ways is, I disagree with your your idea that the end is justified by nature of what happened before. I feel my read of this game is along the entire way 
they are learning the lesson at each beat. Abby and Ellie are like, oh shit, this sort of quest to fulfill my revenge or violence is not working for me. And it's watching them push past that. I don't think it's like until the end that they learn that. I think it's like them saying like, okay, I really shouldn't be doing this, but there is something like deep inside of me that is saying, I have to ignore this logic because I have to go through with this. When do they push past it? I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, push past that in the sense is like, I can see them realize it's like, I, I don't think it's, I don't think Ellie realizes her faults at the end. I don't either. I, no. I, I think, I think she has, like, I think she learns it way earlier that this is, that she should not be doing this. And at each step of the way, she's having to ignore her conscience and push forward. Okay, I have, I'm sorry, I, ha- I have sense. to jump please, in Please, please, yeah. Because the beach scene to me, and this goes into how it made us feel something so visceral, like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. When you get to the beach scene with Abby and Ellie, it, both characters are so emotionally and physically spent that at that point, it, to me, at least how I read it was with Ellie. Like, Abby was ready to be like, just let me go and I, you won't see me again. Mm-hmm. And Ellie was, you could see in her face like, I have killed so many people. I have probably ruined my relationship. Mm -hmm. I can't now let you go because even if in some reality I was like, I don't want to do this or I don't agree with this. She's like, I I can't. I I have to. I'm just done. And I think she. It can't have been for nothing. It can't have been for nothing. Some cost fallacy. And even though she in the end does let her go, she's, I think in the moment they're both so weak that they're. Even Abby gives him a little bit like, just, let's just finish this. I'm tired of this. Fine. If you want to fight and you want to kill me or I want to kill you, just get it over with. And that's how I felt as a person putting myself. I can't really relate to Ellie in any way, of course. But like yeah. if I had to put myself in Ellie's shoes and in that moment I did, I'm like, I am so tired. I'm just going to f- just beat this person to the ground because my life is now ruined. Well, um, I think that Ellie, um, I agree with you, Robert. I really am not convinced that she learned at the end. Um or, or, or I, I choose actually think even the word that might be better is not learn the lesson, but acknowledged the lesson at the end. Like yeah. it will at least recognize it. And it was only in facing Abby, who was her number one enemy in her life. And then seeing that Abby was done with this. Yeah. Abby had moved on. Abby had learned the lesson following um, the confrontation with Dina um, and, you know, dropping the knife at the end there. I think that's what like shocked her into making that acknowledgement when it was obviously way too late. Um, I almost I feel like she didn't learn that lesson here either. I, I agree. I, I don't think she gets any comeuppance for revenge on Joel. Like, my, Abby. Abby. She my, doesn't. She, well, she, she gets comeuppance. All of her friends got killed. Yeah, all of them. Literally yeah, but, every and her job, one, she never, which was horrible. But she never wrestles with like, oh, you know what? It's because it's because I killed. Like I had this issue. This I, something I, I, I think she does. I think she does that, in between yeah. in between Santa Barbara. Or, or excuse me, Seattle and Santa Barbara. So I really, I won't like argue on stuff that happens off screen. Like you put it in the text. No, I think it is in the text. I mean, I think seeing her relationships relationships fail, I think is like, and and the fact that, I mean, we saw a little bit off, or, you know, the assumption off screen, what's that guy's name? I don't really like that character, but the one that she has sex with on the boat. Yeah, Owen, like the the relationship with Owen, you, you, you sort of imagine that that failed because of, 
you know, the death of her father and yeah. sort of the mm-hmm. all that revenge and stuff like that. I, I It's weird. I feel like this is a very, like, kind of heady, like, jerk-off hand motion, like, <laughs> approach to this uh, interpretation of this last scene. But I really feel like that end on the beach is, like, their punishment. It is, mm-hmm. they are in hell. And this mm-hmm. is, they they have every bit of their soul and their whatever has died and they are gone and they're in this isolated, the fog surrounding them. It almost feels like not like reality it's in like a lot a of ways. Yeah. yeah, it feels ethereal. And it's like, this is just, this is the result of their, their actions for the last five to 10 years or however long that timeline is. And this is their punishment for it. And so you're sort of like playing that out. And I find that to be like so interesting um but i i totally understand jack not connecting with that well i just think that the message it's not that i didn't connect with it it's like i just think that like the message is super convoluted because they're and they end abby's character on this or sorry ellie's character on this note of like she's can't play guitar anymore her humanity is gone and that's the price you pay for seeking revenge and then abby goes to gets what she wants which is to be with the fireflies with lev for doing the same thing and so it's just kind of like well okay so but why she dropped she didn't succumb i guess to the sunk cost fallacy at a certain point she was she did make mistakes if you want to make but she didn't make but she so she killed joel that was her huge mistake but then she gets to obviously but then you get to ellie and she has the choice she probably could have overcome ellie she probably could have overcome yeah there was many times she could have overpowered maybe maybe not at the end but there were many times before that that she could have killed ellie for sure i actually i I argue at the beach i think honestly at that point even though she has now been tortured clearly and she's like very emotional like very physically drained i think if she really wanted to kill ellie she could have and you see her in a i can't remember the exact moment but it's like i remember thinking oh, she is choosing, like, I've already killed her father figure. I've already gotten mine. My friends are all dead. Who else has to die? Just let me go with this kid yeah. who is who I've adopted now to, to just end it. And she, the only reason I think that she was originally going to kill Ellie in that moment was to just get away from her. Like, you're not going to stop. I just think that, like, dies. trading numbers on, like, how many people Ellie killed or something versus how many people Abby killed or in what manner. It's like, at the end of the day, Abby killed Joel with a golf club by beating him to death in the face. Mm -hmm. And Ellie killed multiple people, one of whom was pregnant with knives and rocks and pipes and whatever. And one of them, they're selling this idea of like she succumbed to the lesson. She didn't learn the lesson in time of revenge and violence is bad. And one of them did, even though they've both committed unspeakable acts of violence against I don't know if I'd say in time because again to your point Abby did lose everyone yeah I I don't think it's like I wouldn't say Abby got what she wanted I mean I I reject your idea that she got what she wanted I feel like she it wasn't a happy ending she she had to pivot her entire life because of all of this like she maybe she succeeded on the goal that she came up with a year ago or whatever to like find the fireflies but I feel like it's a no one wins at the end of that, even if she know. technically makes if even if they technically make it both out. Of I life. guess I just find it muddled as opposed to really feeling like I understand the clarity of what they're trying to say, which is that like revenge is a road that leads all people who travel it to darkness and despair. It feels like Abby gets a much more charitable read, um, particularly because the game sort of sort of has this idea in its head that like. 
you know, her killing might have been more justified by virtue of the fact that Joel killed her father. No, I, I don't think anybody's saying that it, her killing is justified. I think what's interesting, and this is going to segue a little bit into something else, but what I what I found was, again, I had a different experience because I've been watching bits and pieces of this game without seeing all of the characters together. So I just got a little glimpse into Abby and I automatically was like, oh, she's the villain. She's horrible. We hate her, blah, blah, blah. And you start playing as her and I'm like, I just want to, like you're trying to avoid like obviously yeah. yourself dying but you're like I want to eat her off this cliff and then you start playing like after you've now killed all these dogs killed these people and then you go and play as Abby and you're like oh shit like Ellie is Ellie's the true not to be like, so jaded but when Abby killed Joel I was like oh it must be because he killed someone at the hospital that she knew or she has some sort of state it was like it, it to me it always felt like it must be because of joel's actions in the first game sure so yeah. it really i didn't it didn't earn any credit with me for the idea of like oh now i really see it from her perspective it was like i really i felt that from the beginning that it's like both of these women are you know taking revenge in different degrees and neither one is fully right or wrong but it just feels like the game ends in this way where it's like so harsh on ellie and pretty forgiving on abby even though i think that their actions are relatively equitable i don't think it's i don't think it's forgiving i think honestly what what when abby says you killed all my friends i let you go i'm not agreeing with her like she shouldn't have Mm -hmm. killed anybody but the fact that she killed joel did did what she thought she had to do got out, left Ellie and Dean and who, you know, I think Tommy, yeah, left Tommy there too, didn't kill anybody else. She could have killed all three of them and been done with it. Doesn't she, she kill Tommy in the end? No, Tommy lives. Tommy lives. Doesn't she, she kills kill? Jesse in the end. No, but no, but again, I'm saying from the beginning. In the beginning, yeah, in the beginning she, not at the yeah. She, yeah, she doesn't that. kill everybody. Ellie goes in guns blazing, you know, just kills all of her friends who had nothing to do with even Owen was like, okay, you got what you came for. Leave him alone now. You've you've now really just probably disfigured him just let him live i think it's a weird way to argue about who's better or worse by virtue of just like how many people also (laughs) i I I think we're really i think we're also really skipping the fact that like ellie is really impacted by all of these deaths too it's not like you know we're saying oh she killed all these people yes that's what happened but like she deals with the repercussions of killing um, oh absolutely uh, aloy or whatever what's her name Uh, (laughs) ashley birch's character for um, you know, for for a long time, and I and I guess I, for sure, I just think it's it's like I have a I bump against this idea of like the way that the game chooses to read these two characters, even though they've. I mean, I just it's like funny, like you know, you can make the argument that Ellie did just as much sparing as Abby by the end because she spares Abby and Lev. Yeah. You know? so, so it's just like it does. It feels weird to me that they get such different reads by the ending of the game even though I think that ultimately the game is trying to say that all revenge and violence is bad, and yet it feels like these characters get vastly different endings. So, okay, so I so I think the the point that maybe we can just sort of agree to or disagree on is that, like, if, if, if that is your read of that, I would agree that that is wrong, like, that they should give them a, a more equitable like sort of uh, and i just disagree i think i think they both are given sort of the same treatment by the end i i I don't i don't read abby as being sort of like needing to be forgiven or like yes she like technically walks away like slightly better than ellie but i would totally disagree that they have a a vastly different like it's not vastly different but it is different like those endings are different 
you know what I mean? They're different, but I don't think one feels like nicer I'm just saying that it convolutes the idea that all, that anyone who walks the path of revenge suffers tremendously. No, but here's what's different. It just muddles it. Here's what's different. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, I'm sorry. Here's what's different for me that I was really, I, I enjoyed the way that they, I mean, not enjoyed, but it was horrible to watch. Yeah, nothing about this is enjoyable. Nothing is fun in this game. But when, not even once. In in the, like, what you think is going to be the end with her and JJ and Dina. Yeah. When Abby let them all walk away, except for Jesse, obviously, which was horrible. But to have Tommy, Ellie, and Dina get out of that situation. And then Ellie shoots herself in the foot again. It's like she has now been let to live twice by Abby. Mm-hmm. And again, I can't, I mean, I've, I can't put myself in Ellie's shoes at all because luckily I've never been in anything like this, any situation like this. But to have now this person who, yes, killed your father figure, horrible, but has now let you and your girlfriend live and your friends live, except for Jesse, twice, you're going to go back out there, you know, uprooting your life again Mm -hmm. for the sake of this. I think, honestly, in the end... Abby has the upper hand in a little, not morality per se, because yes, she has killed just as many people, if not so, maybe more than Ellie. But she she was ready to be like, I am now officially done. Like, please stop coming after me. And she says it twice. She says it, it, it happens again and again. And Ellie keeps coming back to get to this woman. And even Dina, the woman she loves, is can't even get through to her. I think the difference in why, maybe why these two come to you know, sort of like different resolutions is that Ellie, and I don't want to try and justify what Ellie's doing, but Joel was everything to Ellie. Like she had really, I mean, we don't see her really having anyone prior to Joel Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. She was, she was born uh, essentially an orphan, right? Uh, And the show sort of expands on that a little bit, but like, yeah, she was essentially born an orphan and Joel was everything to her. And, and Abby, it seems like was surrounded with a bit, a little bit more of a community. Right. And so like her, her, I mean, maybe if I have to like give a reasoning as to why that happens, maybe that's why her interpretation or why she's able to like let go a little bit easier. But I, again, I, I just disagree that, sure. that, that, that Abby was given like a more charitable ending. I think it feels equitable, if not marginally different, just by nature of the can't have the exact same ending. Minus <laughs> death. Like, so, so, so. yeah, honestly, I think that would be a cleaner, m- more elegant ending if they both died. Totally. Because I, that I, at least would be like, yep, that's what you were saying is that like yeah. the, the path to revenge leads to your demise. It's a two headed snake, you know, like that would be at least much. I would at least be able to wash my hands and say, OK, like I get what you're trying to say. This just felt like it feels so bizarre to me. It feels it maybe maybe to sort of counter that it feels like that's almost their their ending is almost worse than death, right? Like yeah. they they they're, they they're, live with well, them. Ellie's for sure is worse than death. Yeah, yeah I mean but, we don't know Abby's story, but like I mean even yeah, and I, I, this is just it just screaming. feels like she gets a new page, whereas Ellie gets nothing, nothing, and it's like that's what I think. I that's really what I well, bump Ellie, against. It feels like Abby turns over this leaf, and yeah. Ellie is just like left to wallow in her despair. Well, Ellie had the opportunity to try yeah, to she and did. walk well, away. Abby, from it. Abby both, gets the they opportunity. They both had their own opportunities there after immense penalties for their actions. Abby gets to just the opportunity only life. after she's completed her revenge quest. If Ellie completed her revenge quest and killed Abby, she might get the same page. Abby, Abby, also, Abby did. That is interesting. Yeah, Abby, also Abby did the, complain. She uh, wanted to go kill Joel and she killed Joel. Oh, Abby, that, that one, sure. Uh, Abby, <laughs> that one. <laughs> right, that one. The big one. Abby, no, but, okay, Abby also... Yeah, it's not that clean. 
I mean, multiple uh, things going to, on, to the but. to the point of like sort of like what is this about? Abby needs to have that moment where she can walk away because otherwise Lev is going to do the same thing. Yeah, right. Like that, her being partnered with Lev at the end, Lev could easily we there could be a last of us part three could be lev going to fucking kill ellie or you know right, whatever yeah. like it's gonna and, continue and this and cycle so her, of violence. her being able to like like get away again not without everything gone essentially mm-hmm. she lives and sort of can make it so that lev does not have to mm-hmm. do this the, the same go through the same process which is why i know there's rumors of a third one but I will be so angry if they do a third game that follows the same like people because I feel like it's just no. It's, they are coming out clean. with a new game, but it's not. It's there's a, there's the multiplayer the shooter multiplayer or whatever, exactly. which I'm very excited very for. Excited. But like, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like we talked for an hour about the last scene of this game. Yeah. I don't know if, well, if there's have, more to talk about. Maybe we can take a quick break and then I do have one more thing I would love to say. But if we're running really long, it's okay. I don't think so. I mean, whatever. If you play, uh, about the ending specifically, so I just want to shout out this vice piece that I read about the ending that really helped clarify a lot of my feelings about it. And I'm going to just shout it out. It's called Where the Last of Us Part Two Ending Goes Wrong. It's written by someone named Rob Zachney. And he talks a lot about, there's a lot of stuff going on about why he thinks the ending doesn't work. But I think there's one piece of it that really resonated with me, which is about Ellie's motivation in particular. Mm. Um, So he talks a lot about the order of operations and the way that we find out that Ellie does know that what Joel did and learns it pretty quickly, like after they get to Wyoming and has been wrestling with this for years and that they, we find out that eventually they kind of came to some sort of reconciliation where she at least was willing to try to forgive him and try to work through it. And that all happens before the events of this game begin. And he talks a lot about why that motivation also really convolutes her revenge quest and makes it not as, interesting thematically and i just want to read this one quick passage about that which i think is really on the money where he just talks about the lack of narrative suspense in that so it's the context of this passage is just that understanding that ellie knows what joel did which means from the start of this game ellie not only knew why a bunch of assassins had shown up to kill joel but she also knew that joel in a way had it coming she knew that joel's death while awful and painful to witness was something approaching justice and yet she led all her friends to assist her in a mass reprisal killing it's a source of discomfort that the game never explores with the exception of a couple of conversations where she's evasive with Dina and Jesse, she's never forced to weigh what she knows about Joel against the things she's done to avenge him. The implication, given all the flashbacks of good and bad times with Joel, is that what's really driving Ellie is guilt and shame about the fact that their relationship ended on bad terms, but now, in the finale, we learn that they had achieved a kind of closure with her relationship with Joel. So what was all of this actually about? And I just think that that is so right about how it's so perplexing to me that she never wrestles with knowing that Joel was not a perfect person and yet leads this like revenge quest so blindly and so infuriatingly despite the fact that we know that she knows what he did I mean I my I read the very ending of part one that she knew yeah and I think that's I I think they maybe even the game designers have talked about her saying I mean okay in last of us part two she like falls to her knees at the revelation when he tells her what he did so I I, think it's more confirmation of what she of what she was afraid she knew. Uh, maybe I think so, that's more interpretive, but you know. So I, I that's really interesting, and I could certainly see that interpretation. I guess I would say that her 
her like revenge mission is well a i think even though we she sort of assumes that uh joel likely has his comeuppance like everyone there almost is likely mm-hmm. to get their comeuppance it's not necessarily certain who this person is in relation to joel right like she ellie did not know that like that was the doctor that she killed mm-hmm. or whatever it could have been but she a, does like, learn right she does learn but it could have been a myriad of people that joel and ellie have killed along the way mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. want him dead that so that's that i sort of like bump up against but i guess i would say that it feels less of like this sort of blind retaliation and more of just like joel did unspeakable things to save me in return as a favor as a as a awfully like motivated favor to him i am going to go through unspeakable things of violence to avenge or save him i think that's a really interesting read i don't really see where that is in the text so if you have like anything to point to that shows that interpretation like i'd love to hear it but i don't really see where that plays into it i mean i guess just in the same way that there's not really a uh uh, hey, I'm blindly like following rage to avenge Joel's well, death. Well, she just like, by blindly raging, I just mean that they never address that she's ever considered. Maybe this is not chill based on the fact that he did all oh. this fucked up shit. Like they never. She's evasive a couple times with Dina and Jesse, but she never wrestles with it in any way. I, you know, actually, I can think of I can think of one little part that kind of hints to it. It's a little convoluted, but to me, it it points a little bit to where Ellie's where Ellie is at emotionally with the whole of not using her to make the vaccine and how she doesn't agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. When it, it's a little, I can't remember exactly. It's like near the close, closer to the end of the game where there's a flashback of her and Joel walking through this town and there are these, they go to this little diner and there are these two people, oh, the skeletons, the skeletons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she has this moment of this would have been prevented if you would have yeah. not mm-hmm. sacrificed what they would have done without asking me like the the whole thing is messed up because nobody asked ellie what she wanted even though people are like oh this is what she would have wanted maybe don't kill a child without asking her permission but that's beside the point she has this moment of joel is like because of what you because of what i suspect that you did these people are dead and you don't seem to care you seem to think that just because you saved me it's all worth it and i think with your point where you said that ellie goes in guns blazing blindly i actually think that's part of her uh, what makes ellie ellie is she kind of has those mixed emotions of one minute she's thinking things through in a logical and emotional way and then the next moment she's only thinking emotionally yeah. she's only yeah, thinking, i, I want to jump off yeah. of that because i agree with you abby and i guess my only point um i i can't off the top of my head point to a, a spot mm-hmm. in the text where she might resolve this problem that you've outlined for yeah. us here um but even without being able to do that off the top of my head i'm totally willing to excuse the potential moral inconsistencies of Ellie because I think that she is human and that's going back this is a human story um really I, I kind of want to end this podcast and start a new one on your <laughs> realities and storytelling thing because I think that's so level. <laughs> so interesting because I well well I think there's rooms for all types of stories some that are more you know um uh, mystical, uh, less realistic, more idealistic, and more realistic, heightened heightened versus ones that are grounded in reality. I think that they can both exist. I like those grounded in reality ones. I I don't enjoy it per se. It's not fun to watch as we keep coming back to, but I really appreciate that this was a human story. And I think even if 
Ellie was in the middle of, of some sort of thought of like, well, was Joel right or wrong? And how do I feel about this? Blah, blah, blah. The, the, the quick unexpected shock of him being just taken out and her watching that happen, I believe she would have completely gone full emotion mode there. And she would not have, you know, thought very soberly and clear headed about the logic of what she's doing versus what they've done and he's done and all that. And I like that human storytelling. I think it's tragic, but I think that that's something that would actually happen. Well, and, and honestly, if she had had, if she hadn't been pretty much knocked unconscious from the get-go when she walks into that room, there the story would have been completely different because she would have had that moment to think irrationally and probably would have killed a good amount of these people. But because she was taken out so quickly, she just had to watch her father figure die in this horrible way, like Jimmy said. Mm-hmm and not have a chance to even think morally. Cause she's like, I have now had to sit through this and you guys have made me watch this happen. You didn't even do me the decency of knocking me unconscious. Totally. Yeah, yeah, she I didn't mean, have the, a chance the, to say goodbye. The, the, yeah. the trauma. Yeah. I mean, it co- comes up at the end at the, in the, in sort of like the, the, I sort of consider Santa Barbara like an epilogue in a lot of ways, but yeah. like the, that, that moment in the barn where she has that, again, she has that flashback mm-hmm. to the death scene or whatever, like that trauma is sitting with her. And I guess, you know, you're right. I, I probably, probably can't point to a specific <laughs> like point where she's like saying the text or whatever, but I am willing to, and feel like I don't have to stretch too far to sort of like read between the lines that yeah. she is struggling with that the entire time. But you know, maybe, maybe, that would have been helpful or I can see why that's something that you would have wanted. I just think to my subjective point about this, and I I think there's an objective argument to it, but I just think that the game not choosing not to play with that in a tangible way of weighing Joel's actions against her own feels, makes the story feel inelegant and repetitive because it's just not, it feel it makes it feel like nonsensical killing after nonsensical killing. Which, to your point, you're all calling Ellie's actions illogical and nonsensical. Yeah. Like, marry that lack of nuance and detail with the gratuitousness of the violence, and that's where I landed where I am. Because I'm just like, so it's a story about nonsensical violence that has nonsensical gratuitous violence in it to prove that nonsensical violence and gratuitous violence is bad. And that's where I'm like, don't need that. I (laughs) also think like there's, there's part of it too. We've talked a little bit about like them all killing hundreds of people or whatever. And yes, like each human that she kills has a full life and a full story Mm -hmm. and a whatever that is terrible. And like all death is bad, but that that's where I'm sort of conceding the video game at all that you need bodies to engage yeah. with oh, the that combat. I, I don't it's, mind the it's, 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 it's the like cutscene deaths or whatever it's that the, again, is it's, more important. It's the way, it's the specificity of how violent these killings are from beating people in the face with golf clubs and lead pipes and punching to death and drowning underwater and that the the brute island kill that like mm. when the bill you collapse through the barn or whatever and he bites the ear off that was i think probably the moment the moment where i got as close as possible to ooh, too much but that was like a rant but it, it's on it's on the 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 island the guy and, or the girl boys? i think it's a woman it's like a 
Because there's like two big brutes that there's, get pretty on the, fucked on the up. island at the very end, right before you're leaving with Lev, and the building is burning down, and like there's this I, I don't know the what they call the enemy. Cleaved. Oh yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah with the, gets Joker his, gets like mm-hmm. gets his face oh, yeah. cleaved and like ear bitten off. It's like it's very intense. It, but that's sort of like a random like person. No, like, I mean yeah. I'll take that off the table. I think there's problems with that too. But like mostly what I mean is main character deaths. Right. You know? I, okay. The cool. way that Ellie. I mean, because I'm not trying to say like a video game shouldn't have killing like that's insane i just mean that the way in which ellie and abby go about both of their revenge killings is so gratuitous there's very little nuance in the because none of the characters are ever weighing the consequences of their or i'm sorry misspoke because none of the characters are ever weighing the means that they take to exact revenge versus the people that they're killing and their actions, specifically Ellie with Joel, it just feels like I'm being asked to watch a story about nonsensical violent killing with gratuitous nonsensical violence to learn that nonsensical killing is bad. Would you Would you only <laughs> I just be, think it's like, why? <laughs> I mean, because I would say um, they are weighing it, I guess, would you but only where? be satisfied with a spoken, like, you know? Well, it doesn't have to be spoken, but it has to be in the text somewhere. Like, I mean, what scene they, does Ellie weigh the consequences of Joel's I mean, actions? Every, I feel I would say every scene that she is having a conversation and looks like she has seen death a thousand times. Will, like, it's I, all, like, roped into I that. hear you, because especially because I feel like again, the purpose of art is to glean your meaning from it. And so I'm not trying to shut down your interpretation of it as like empirically wrong. However, I would challenge anyone to point to something just ever so slightly more specific because that's my problem. Okay, I don't have necessarily something super, super specific, which I know Mm -hmm. is what you're asking for, but (laughs) what I'm going to throw something out there that's kind of insane that kind of just popped into my brain, actually. Is it possible that maybe Dina and Lev are Ellie and Abby's conscious conscience in human form and their empathy as well. Because whenever they're around those two, there's not as much violence towards people unless they're trying to actively get back to those people. Sure, yeah, th- but those Dina are the- doesn't weigh Joel's because she doesn't know about the whole Joel thing. So like, it's not like Dina is saying, hey, Ellie, like, you know, and again, this is like the bad pitch, but it's not like Dina is saying like, hey, Ellie, you know, maybe you shouldn't go after this girl because actually Joel kind of did some fucked up things too and maybe it's enough to let her let, let sleeping dogs lie and maybe you shouldn't be going on this revenge quest for X, Y, Z reasons and... She doesn't know about that. She's just saying, hey, stay with me. So, so I no, guess. But, no, but I'm not saying, sorry, Robert. I'm no, not saying after, the, I'm not saying when they get back. I'm not saying after she has JJ. I'm saying when they're actively in the field looking for Abby and looking and then eventually looking for Lev. There are moments, maybe not necessarily spoken, but we're, I'm sorry, I know, but. It's just really hard for me to get behind the argument just based on interpretation. You know? I, but it's, but, but Dina, there are moments when like, for instance, when Ellie comes back and she's covered in blood and she's like, I made her talk where Dina is, you can see her at that moment. She is trying to comfort her being like, it needed to be done. But she never does that with other killings. She has, I think, isn't there a scene where she tries to not get Ellie to go after Owen? What I'm looking for is a scene where Ellie grapples with the ramifications of Joel's actions, which she knows well enough, versus the lengths that she is going to exact revenge for. And, and I would, and so, 
I agree with you, Abby. I, I mean, I think probably we all would agree that Lev and, and Dina are acting as like a, totally. a, a tether to reality to try and yeah, keep yeah, them. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. I think that's that's the correct read on that, and was probably intentional. For sure. Um, I I guess I would just and and I um I understand what you're saying is sort of like looking for something more specific. I just because they just have to in this dog eat dog world they have to (laughs) i love that uh they have to be constantly moving and they can barely sleep and whatever that i am fine making the leap that they are sort of constantly struggling with this um in their in their heads Uh, and because these are almost a lot of these characters and really a lot of people in this world carry a lot of secrets with them right and like a lot of them are very dangerous to sort of like explore i mean if if ellie starts telling more people and she probably should have trusted dina so Mm -hmm. this is like a choice for sure but um if ellie told more people she could have been shot on sight you know in a lot of ways or or things like that so but but i i totally hear what you're then saying that's that's really just where we have to agree to disagree because yeah. i just can't make that leap I, given oh. the gratuitousness of this game I, I can't make that leap for them i don't okay now i now i want to actually hear what you guys think about this scene because okay. this this is going to what you said yeah. about a specific scene when you're still playing as abby and you get to dina and ellie and ellie kind of puts her hands up and throws her gun there is this moment i i believe if i'm remembering it correctly where she you know she's seen jesse now get shot and I think she has a moment of like almost begging Abby, like nobody else has to die. Is how would you perceive that? Well, I don't think her? she's saying that nobody else has to die. I think she's no, saying, don't, don't kill Tommy. Dean. You yeah, have a gun to Tommy's head, yeah, so I'm going to surrender my weapon. But she does say to her, t- you know, kill me. Don't don't kill him. It's me you want. It's not him. So where would you put that in Ellie's reasoning in that moment? Again, it doesn't have anything to do with Joel in that moment. She's just like trying to spare Tommy. Yeah, and I also like. I, I hear you saying, and, and I, I know the moment that that's like the turning point. Yeah, that's yeah. the midpoint. That's, point, that's yeah. the midpoint. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say I don't think Ellie ever cares about her own life, so that sacrifice of herself yeah. does not For hold sure. that weight. You For know, sure. I think she I doesn't agree. really care. But but it's a great moment. I I, I love I that, that scene, scene in the lot. theater. Honestly, it's really well done. Uh, up until that point in the game story, I was actually at least like, okay, let's see what where they go with this. Yeah. Like it was after that moment, it just yeah. started to fall yeah. down. Um, the we could talk about this game for four hours Um, I feel like this is the most important part of the game anyways in terms of like discussion and we can talk everything else is fine maybe we can do a a supplemental episode about specific beats if we need to but let's take a a quick break here and then we'll come back and give our final ratings and thoughts welcome back Um, Abby let's let's wrap up here so I the Overall, my five star rating goes more towards five what rating? What's I'm a star? so sorry. Five what is it? Lads? Lad rating. Five, five lad, lad rating. I'm so sorry. Yes, that's okay. That's that's now I understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, because before stop the, the recording. Sorry, just star rating doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's a different metric. <laughs> Fine. Five. Five. It's a one star rating for me and a five star rating for Jack. This game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So my five lad rating, which yes. is higher than stars, I've yes, now come course, yes. more valuable, recognized in more countries. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. I would agree then that it's a very high rating for me because. I'm, I'm getting rid of gameplay altogether because I don't, I'm not the person to talk to about that. I am talking about music, about voice acting, storyline overall. The character development is beautiful. And I just have to, I have to do a quick thing about just the voice acting overall was Ashley Johnson 
It's not even voice acting, it's motion capture. Oh, right. So it is. I forgot yeah. it's motion capture. Full, full on she, BAFTA winning performances. Yeah. I mean, you can see that everybody in this game just yeah. put everything they had into it. And I've I've seen interviews with Ashley Johnson and uh, uh, Troy Baker and the way that they talk about how much that they really put into their characters and how a lot of it actually came from mistakes that they made. Like the motion capture that they did by accident or voice acting that they did by accident kind of forwarded the storyline along that there was one where I guess in the first game, Ashley Johnson pushed Troy Baker and just got really into it. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. And he's like, no, no, no. That propelled the story forward. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the game actually shows that in the first and second. And I just, I overall, it was hard to watch really draining emotionally and even physically for my hands playing with that remote, like just cringing, like holding that remote so tight. I loved every second of it. I probably won't play it again. <laughs> I don't think my I don't think my brain can handle it. I don't think my brain yeah. or my heart can handle sure. it. I will watch my favorite scenes on YouTube. Right? <laughs> but overall, five star rating. Beautiful. You'll you'll watch um, Dina and Ellie getting high and kissing. Yeah, you know what? it was a great scene. <laughs> That's a, that is a great scene. Mm-hmm. It's not gratuitous in what they normally do with you know. No, I thought all the the queer romance was very non male gazy, which I think is really hard to pull off. Honestly, for a lot of I think a lot of TV shows and movies don't pull it off. And what I thought was funny was actually that the, that the straight sex scene was very gratuitous and very icky for me to watch. Well, it's not gratuitous. It's just like, there was, there was nudity. In it was, the, would, uh, I don't in, think the nudity was gratuitous. No, I don't, I don't like think so. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, the nudity wasn't the issue. It was that the fact that he got so violent with her. It's like, I don't, I don't, I'm good. I don't need to see. Abby's just a freak. Like, um, no, no shaming here, but just like, I thought that it was interesting that the scene that would normally have been very male gazy, very gratuitous was very sweet and loving yeah, and sure. how that would have gone in real life. I also think there's, there's part of it too. The, the, uh, the Ellie Dina stuff was a little like, I ha- had to look away only because, uh, <laughs> well, cause Jules was there, right? Yeah, cause I can't see. Yeah. No, only be, only because it's funny. And I'm sure this was considered a lot is cause we've seen Ellie from a child. Oh, into, sure. So I was that's like, true, that's yeah. like watching your daughter, like, you know, as I was like, no, Ellie, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wait till you're married. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Anyways, but that's my rating. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, uh, here's what I, I'm going to do. So two out of five still, um, all the reasons said above, I'm going to just offer some things I did like just to be like, <laughs> yay. Slightly nice. I thought the first act of this game was great. The up inter- until the switch. Uh, no, sorry. The intercutting up to Joel's death, mm-hmm. the, uh, intercutting between Abby and Ellie, I thought was great. I actually hot take think that they should have kept intercutting it after, during the, not do the hard perspective switch. I actually yeah. think oh, it would have been really cool to keep. It going the whole time because I just think that was really gave it this sense of oh god they're coming closer together we know they're co-, and like it made it feel really suspenseful whereas unfortunately it's kind of it's just like a factor of it like with Abby when you switch to Abby you know everything that happens so you know she's not going to run into Ellie because Ellie never ran into her but so what I will say about that about oh, I'm sorry doing, this is my time I'm so sorry talking stick just with the with the whole thing with the um going not switching back and forth when you for me, the hardest part was when you killed all those dogs and then you go back. It's like, they weren't bad dogs. Well, file under gratuitousness. Anyway, um, we're talking about good things. So I know, but I'm saying I thought the first act good, was actually. great. I thought the, f- we're talking about my good things. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, cut, the, cut the mic. Cut the mic. So, <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and move this. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I thought that um, the, I thought the first act was great. I loved that whole buildup. Ashley Johnson, greatest living actress of our time. I'm, I'm not kidding. She's so 
good <laughs> in that scene. Um, she's so good in that scene. Um, Laura Bailey was also fantastic. Shannon Woodward is Dina. I think she's also amazing. Um, Troy was also great. Troy Baker for Joel, obviously. Um, yeah, just all the performances are fantastic. Um, the graphics are beautiful. The music was wonderful. Um, you know, there's a, there's definitely good things in this game. You know, uh, we we were talking about a little bit of one star versus one lad, what it means. It's like, I can't give this a one lad. It's not non-functioning. It like is a functioning piece of art. You know, like it's just didn't work for me. I think I love that in our ratings we put one is like it's really for non-function things that just like yeah you can't play this mm-hmm. it just you can't play it you know mm-hmm. like this is still a functioning piece of art i just hate it but mm-hmm. you know yeah there's still many many good things that went into this game um i would love if naughty dog for their next franchise whatever that form might be would maybe just branch a little bit out of their comfort zone in terms of the gameplay that's my prayer and hope as I as see I said some good things about your game <laughs> will you now do something for me <laughs> anyway um yeah two out of five for the last of us part two yeah 4.5 for me um the minus 0.5 comes from a waste of Jeffrey Wright oh yeah, we yeah. Didn't even get to that is such that. a waste of he was waste. really good and they really didn't use his character at all that, that's who, like who was he Isaac, Isaac. the Isaac storyline got super exactly. pinched period <laughs> yeah. she just went who's Isaac Isaac, is, Isaac had the greatest setup and no use or no, he was, oh, oh, oh. no quality anyway that's it the fact that you didn't even know who he was I got it actually more seriously again my my reason it's not a 5 it's a 4.5 is because of a couple of narrative things clearly not what we talked about for an hour <laughs> but other things other minor things that i felt were overall um easily enough overlooked because of some of the the high highs of the other parts um i think that this game is uh is i applaud it for telling such a grounded and like human story even if that made it very very hard to watch and frankly unlikely that I'll engage with again, but I really don't think that that is a critique. I think it's like, it's the intended effect almost. Like I can't imagine, this is no one's comfort game. Like, <laughs> you know, so, oh my God, I'm so, yeah, get so, outside. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I think that it, it achieved its goals uh, a lot. Um, I'll, I'll say, you know, we talked a lot about the visceralness of the ending and how horrific that was to watch, but um, I'll say on a positive note, um, in the beginning when you're in Seattle in the little open world section, um, like maybe my favorite part of the game or or certainly a highlight for me was the completely optional side thing where you explore the music shop Mm -hmm. and Ellie plays uh, Take Me On on the guitar for Dina. And the Dina like ends like, I think she says like, you should have kissed me that night or whatever. And it was just like, so beautiful. I literally was tearing up. Oh, I cried through that. Yeah, like, and I'm not one to cry easily really with like anything i guess but with media usually i'm not i don't jump to crying but like um that moment just sold me on the two of them and i was freaking bought in from there on out um well very human as you would say very human yeah it was just it was so beautiful so this game really made me feel a lot of emotions um and i i think that not many games accomplish that um whether they were good or bad or emotion so a 4.5 I'll never play this game again. But <laughs> well, uh, according to the loud language, that makes it a three, actually, if you're unlike <laughs> So three, three. Those damn, damn framers <laughs> of the loud You wrote it, babe. I played it. <laughs> 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 
Um, yeah, four, four and a half. Breathable documents, living documents. Change okay. it, mama. I'm not, I'm not an originalist. <laughs> uh, four and a half lads. Yeah, I mean, you know, that half point is purely from gameplay for me in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I, I don't have too much to say that hasn't already been said, but, you know, the reason I'm not actually mad about Jack's rating and why I think this is like, we're, we're sort of lucky to even be having this conversation, I think, in a lot of ways, because it has this like floor, this like baseline of the craft that is usually so absent from games where we can spend an hour and a half talking about the nuances of the morality and sort or of like, thereof. or lack thereof <laughs> in, you know, in, in a, in a game like this yeah. that, you know, we've, we could, we could talk probably for an hour about actually all the good things of this game from like a Absolutely. technical craft mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, but, but, you know, for a game who is almost solely invested in its story, the fact that it doesn't connect with you doesn't surprise me that the Mm -hmm. rating is so low. Mm -hmm. In a worse game, we would be talking about for half an hour and you might have the same rating. It's sort of like it's at a higher level of critique because Mm -hmm. of where it at sort of is at this base. And I think that's great. And I can understand why people might not like this game, minus some of the the scum scum of the earth gamer opinions about mm-hmm. you know sort there of like the homophobia and sexism like that yeah. we could probably talk about as well but but um it, it really worked for me and i find it um it was very impactful and you know brought tears to my eyes multiple times and performances just unbelievable so for that yeah four and a half lads that wasn't that no. wasn't so bad. No, I thought I don't that think was so. fairly civil. No blood was drawn. I'm no glad that at drawn. the very least I felt like I said my piece and it was heard. It, was heard. I, it wasn't yes, like it, I was really worried that it. Was, and I think I heard your guys's piece too. Like you know, I feel it. Like I feel what you mean. Like there's a lot to glean emotionally. Well, you yeah. already yelled at me over text before. About this, so <laughs> Mostly, I just, I just yelled at you about the the violence of it all because again, I'm just shook to my core that you're just like smiling, like you know, <laughs> I mean, just like you're making me sound like a psycho. Just like, like, oh, I just killed a dog. No, I, <laughs> I just, I just find it rather surprising, yeah. given that you were like, "Gone Girl" was too bloody. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I, I mean, I think it's good. It seems to, to me, at least, it just seems more like, like I get what you're saying. It just, I interpret it differently. Totally, yeah, it's like an agree it's to a disagree kind of thing. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah, that that's all about the game. Yeah, yeah. So well, no, that's what's great about art is that it's subjective, not about the Last of Us. But I think the Last of Us also lends it really well to having these conversations that it's not just like, oh, it was fun. Again, it was was really interesting reading all the reviews when this game came out and how every single one was this game is perfect or this game made me throw up and I'm it's terrible like yeah. you know it just these were the this the epic highs and lows of high school football as it yeah, were I mean, like, you know it's just like these are the two spectrum that's yeah. what Naughty Dog searches for they search for they sure. search for the nuance in the storytelling which is a detriment to its game you know in a lot of ways from a gameplay perspective in some points but like you know I don't no one no one's doing it like them you know mm-hmm. what I mean like no no one's no one's evoking these like conversations like at the very least even if you don't agree with it is like really interesting. Well, and I think you can argue that, I think this is probably going to be very simple to say, but that um, video game companies are very much like your favorite directors. Everybody does it differently. Yep. So mm. some people are, what's the um, other one, Rockstar? Rockstar for um, Grand Theft Auto. Like, and like, yeah. yeah, yeah a lot not, of these I'm not a fan have of their, their gameplay, but I love vibe. Naughty Dog and you're not as big of a Naughty Dog. Well, I like the Uncharted games. But, but I mean, but I'm saying overall, like, I think you probably have other ones that you, the other game companies that you like better. Right? It's cool that they have a voice. I, I, yeah. I, I, For sure. Yeah, yeah, I, think yeah, I would rather them take a swing and have a unique voice. Oh, 
Absolutely. Like for better or worse, this game was a swing. Like yeah, you know, they took they a, swing. Took, and they took I a golf club of, size swing. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the reviews too that I read were talking about the developers were like, we were trying to go for something that we knew would be unpopular. Yeah, so like totally. for sure they took I totally admire it. I do think it definitely veered into slightly dangerous territory. <laughs> but you know, Better than no swing at all. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Thanks. Abby. Special yeah. guest. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. And again, sorry no for violence that like happened, thirty minute so. section where you were just sitting silently. <laughs> you know what? It was fun. You to didn't watch come on for a less divisive game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I didn't expect this to be like a a, a no. You know, a, a totally. Everybody's agreeing on this game. We've had episodes like that. Yeah. And those are boring. And they're kind of boring. (laughs) Because they're done in 45 minutes. We're like, all right, cool. The next one we're recording might be a little bit more boring for for that reason. But I I hope we get into silly mode. (laughs) Yes. Cool. Yeah, cool. that's the thing. When we when we agree, we get to get into laughs. Yeah, yeah. And that's the no laughs. Everybody's afraid to make jokes because yeah. they're like, I want to be heard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have something to say. <laughs> I have things to say. Thanks for listening to the Lads Who Game podcast. Be sure to subscribe and give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're looking for more Lads content, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Lads Who Game. And head to our website, ladsugame.com, for write-ups, ratings, and guest essays. You can also check us out on our Twitch channel to watch us stream our current game, Fortnite, RuneScape, and more. What is the downside to eating a clock? It's time-consuming. That's so dumb.